Tip Today with Fran Curry, IMRO Radio Award Gold Winner. In association with slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make that call. And we're always delighted to hear from you. Rather special Tip Today today because we've landed on the first stop of our Tipperary Village Tour. And we're live this morning from Russell's shop in the heart of Ballyporeen. And it lies in the V Valley with the Galtee Mountains to the north and the lovely Knockbell Downs to the south. Now, we're here all morning. We'll meet the locals. We'll find out something of the local history and, indeed, the heart of village life. And it's the first in our series of these village tours, which we are undertaking over the next uh, few months. So the main thing to know is uh, if you're in the area, do drop in and say hello because you'll be made fierce welcome here in Russell's altogether. Now, Ellie is with me here and uh, Owen is with us as well. And Emma is back at base this morning to take your calls. So once again, that's 1800-938-007 as ever. You can text and WhatsApp, and that's 083-311-3311. And now we're here in Russell's shop, as I said, in Ballyporeen. And to kick off this morning, um, well, why not meet uh, the face of Russell's shop? And that's Pat Russell himself. How are you, Pat? I'm good, friend. How are you? Welcome to Ballyporeen. Well, thank you so much indeed. I, I was telling our listeners on um, uh, social media there just about an hour ago, this is my ideal um, outside broadcast because I'm sitting here by the Aga fire in your kitchen and the atmosphere is just fantastic. Um, the place is very much old world, Pat, isn't it? Oh, God, it is. It goes back generations in my family name, you know, into the 1800s as a shop. You know, before that, I know there was carpentry done out the back where the shop was built from the carpentry shop. I don't know exactly what year the shop opened, but it goes back to, let's see, the famine times. Yeah. I got records going back to the famine times. And you showed me some of the ledgers out there, and it's absolutely fascinating uh, for sure. You've had offers in the past to change the face of the, the shop pads to make it all plasticky and shiny and yeah, lighting yeah. and all of that. You chose not to go I down that particular to. road. I, yeah. I was born old, put it that way, so I knew I was supposed to... I knew the value of it, the way it yeah. is, you know, and it's it's my ancestors' work, so why change it? Yeah. And why fix something that's not broken? Absolutely. And the people locally now, they expect the shop to look like this, don't they? Absolutely, I mean, yeah. yeah. I remember in my early days behind the counter, I did something, and it was a very good lesson for me to learn. I moved to dog food from one part of this shop to another the tens of dog food and people came in they said where's the dog food where's the dog food it used to be over here and i said no it's over here now and they said no it should be over here and it was a very good learning lesson because i realized then i'm just a proprietor of the shop right. they the customers own the shop um you know. people that come by whether they're tourists or visiting the area whatever what what do they make of the shop when they, they love it they come in yeah there are a lot of people, strangers come in and they say they haven't seen a shop like this in many years. It reminds them of their childhood and don't ever change it. That's the main request. You know, they said to me and they complimented, you know, strangers from different countries even when they're passing through, you know, they just fall in love with it because yeah. it's all wood and, you know, none of the shelves have changed at all throughout 
over well over 100 years. That's not brilliant. You're still finding uh, items of historical interest, even at this point, Pat. Oh, God, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, every so often I, I come across something that just, I have to shake my head and say, wow, because it's I never knew it was there. And, uh, like, when I look at the ledgers and stuff, like, I can look at the ledgers at dates of history. You know, the sinking of the Titanic, I got yeah. them ledgers, right? And who was in the show? The day before September 1st, 1939, the day of, for, of the World War. Second World War, yeah. <clears throat> and you could see the, how the shopping went. It was like a history, how people were shopping an awful lot. And then it dropped off uh, after that because they were at home listening to wireless, wondering what's happening with the war. You know, and then you see the, 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 the business kind of picking up again. But then another thing, there was something else I looked up not too long ago, part of history. I can't think of what it was, but you could see how the shopping changed throughout those times. That's just, so all of that reflected in, I suppose, the Business. documentation that yeah, you documentation. have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was also taken by the beautiful handwriting in some of those ledgers. It's real oh, yeah. copper plate yeah. stuff. It's just gorgeous, isn't it's it? It's gorgeous, yeah. My, yeah. my answer, they had some beautiful handwriting. And so did my father, I must say. He has him, same like that, same like you saw, and it was just so stylish. Yeah. And it was like calligraphy or whatever they call it. Yeah. You know, and it's just unbelievable. Not, let's say, the viral never, or the ink, there's no blots or anything. It was free-flowing. Yes. And that you could just look at, it and it's just amazing. People might spot immediately, that's not a good uh, Ballyporine accent. Uh, it's the best one I can put out here. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I you spoke at length about your life, and it was so fascinating. We got such a, a great reaction to it some time ago on, on, on the program as well. But what about the welcome? You, this was left to you by your, your, your Uncle Jim, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, show? my yeah. Uncle Jim passed away in 1990, February 1990, and he left me the business, which I didn't know. And, like, Jim was buried on the Sunday, and I was in charge on Monday. So I was thrown in the deep end. And I, I remember there was five different bread men coming at the time, and I hadn't, and they all had different bread. Right. And Mrs. O'Brien wanted certain bread, and Miss Frank Curry wanted a different bread. And you had no idea about I it. had no idea, you know, and I had no idea about it, anything. But, like, I, I stuck it out, and I'm still here. You know, 32 great, years later. How were you accepted? Because this is what we want to get to today. I'm baffled by that. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about that acceptance into the heart of a, a very rural village with a great tradition and a great culture of its own. How did that Well, the, well number one thing, I'm a Russell. Okay. That meant an awful lot to the people. And I remember the week after Jim died, people were coming into me, and they were hugging me. And they were saying, you're a Russell. It meant so much to them that the name wasn't changed, that it was still a Russell. It didn't matter if I came from South Africa. You were I Russell. I was a Russell. And had you, know? you any notion about the importance of that surname? I'm learning every day how the importance of it. And I'm feeling it more as I get older that, wow, you know, it's a wow factor for me, right. an awful lot. So that was part of the acceptance. Oh, guess, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was the first foreign national in the village, and they accepted me. <laughs> and that's you know I say that every so often and, yes. I, and I came here originally for a two week holiday and I, I still say to people sometimes hey leave me alone I'm on holidays you know yes but uh I and and uh, I presume there was a great curiosity about you as well, was Oh, there? absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there still is, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dark yes. horse, but uh, yeah. that's okay too. I'm who I am. Yeah. And uh I, I love being here. There's no other place I'd rather be. 
Um, I love how you got around the COVID barrier that you had to put up in the in, in the shop, which was the the plastic um, um, screen c- screen on the counter there. And but you you took that as being a necessary evil, but you turned it into something very positive. Yeah, I put up. Um, it happened by fluke, you know. When I put it up, when COVID came to this community, to to everywhere, to the world, I should say, a lot of fear was there. Yeah. And people didn't know what was going on from one moment to the next, never mind one day to the next. And I knew I heard about these screens going up and everything like that. So I put one up and I knew I had to help myself, never mind everybody else, but to get through this. Yes. And I had a saying, you know, this too shall pass. So I put that up on the screen first for a few days and people were looking at it. And then I found some old photographs. And throughout the years, I took a lot of photographs of the village life and you know my life or whatever and I had a lot of photographs from back in California so I started putting them up slowly but surely and everybody fell in love with it they say it's a work of art don't ever take it down I have no intention of taking it down because I'll probably get a slap if I take <laughs> it down but um and it's Bally Preen throughout the years that I've been here you know I have some pictures of my ancestors of going back to 1904 and stuff you know out in front of the shop and stuff yeah. and I have some pictures from Last Halloween, you know, I have some pictures throughout the years of the char- different characters that walked in the door and stuff, and the people that were here and the people that are still here, and even strangers passing by that come oh, into the shop. They're, they're fascinated. I've, by I've the had so many people that says, you know, they stop in for you know, they're going into the post office next yeah. doors, but they'll stop in the shop for something, and they stand there and they just stare. And I've had numerous of people say to me. You don't mind if I stand here and look at these pictures? I don't know who these people are, but this is fantastic. I've never seen this anywhere. And it happened just completely by fluke that I just put these pictures up. You you mentioned uh, Halloween last time around. You you dress up for oh, God's yeah. sake. So t- Halloween's you have to dress up Halloween. <laughs> You're allowed to as an adult. Yeah. In my first year behind the counter here, I dressed up and it was Catholic Ireland then. And yeah. it was All Souls Day. And I was dressed up like a gargoyle or something. I forget what it was. And people were coming in wondering, like you saying, accepting me. They were saying, what kind of person is that human being? <laughs> and I didn't understand it, how no one was dressing up back then. Yeah. Because I also dressed up. I have no problem with it. You yeah, know, I don't... But, of course, the American tradition is very yeah. much costume yeah. and uh, drama and all of that, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I love doing it, yeah. you know, on a Halloween. Or in Patty's Day, you know, the odd time I And I saw it. on the photographs, the kids really take to this, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. I do it for them. You can't beat a smile from a child. Yeah. And the thing about Halloween with the kids, like there's Christmas, and what I love about Halloween and, and the kids is they could go out and they could spend 50 euros on a costume, 100 euros on a costume, or they could get a plastic bag and put it on, yeah. and none of them are judged. Yeah. They're all the same. And look at me. And they put great... How would you, their imagination runs with it? That's you know, terrific, um, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what is it about you and this deli ham that has no equal uh, around, uh, not only around the county but around the country? I'm told, Pat, for God's sake. Well, so I've been told too. Many people say they only eat Pat's ham. And what what is it about Pat's deli ham? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I have it baffles myself and the girls at work here because we give out the same ham all the time. You know, we've had different ham throughout the years, but everybody comes back for for Pat's ham. For Pat's ham, right? There was a lady that told me not too long ago they were she was in Italy with her four children. They couldn't wait to get back for Pat's ham. For Pat's ham. 
Allie told me that her to her son when he goes to college, she wants to know can he get a pound and freeze it, you know, so he could have it for the week. Right, but you don't know what the secret I have is. No but idea. It, it, I'm it, it seems by to it. work as well. And you produce honey as well. Well, you don't. The bees do. But the bees do. Yes, yeah. I yeah. have four hives out the back, and uh, and it's a good honey, you know. Yeah, so I'm told. I can't wait to sample it uh, later on as well. It's great to be here, Pat, and thanks for, no for looking after us this morning. But do do stay with us because I'm I'm delighted to be joined by another uh, Russell now, and this time it's Roisin Russell. But Roisin, you were at pains to tell me that you're not related. <laughs> uh, yeah, same surname, but um, people often just associate Pat and um, well. I'm not a Russell myself, I married a Russell. Right. So, um, yeah, a lot of people seem to think there's a, a connection, a link there. Right, but there's, but there's not in this case. You're very heavily involved, of course, in Ballyperine uh, Community Council. Um, the, the village was honoured at this year's Pride of Place Awards at the INEC in Killarney. What did that mean to the area? Um, it was fantastic. I mean, we sent in an application just letting them know the work we do, the makeup of our council. Um, why we feel it is so special in this area and we were invited then to go to the finals so three of our members went to the finals and we were absolutely blown away that we actually received the first prize for our area which was 300 to 1,000 um, in a rural area population. Uh, population. Yes. So it, it meant everything because I suppose it's a recognition and it's an acknowledgement of the work and the dedication that goes in to maintaining the community council, it's all voluntary. So it's people's time, it's people's energy. And I suppose it was lovely to just see that that was being recognised. And I suppose I have to say it's the current community council, it's the past community council members. I mean, it was set up in 77, 78. So that was the start of it. You've got the local businesses and you've got the local people in the area. It was an award for everybody. It was an award for, you know, everyone to kind of push forward to make Ballyprene as dynamic and as proactive as we can have it. And what about that? Because, you know, on the programme, Roisin, over the years, we keep hearing about the demise of rural Ireland, about, mm. you know, all the services being taken from rural Ireland, whether it's the post office or the Garda station yeah. or the creameries or, or whatever. There's many challenges to yeah. it. I mean, how, how do you keep morale up? How, how do you keep building? Yeah, well, I think there's a very, very good team. I mean, there's 20 of us all together. Um, we are voted in in a democratic vote, and it's very important that we are voted in from the different townlands around the area so everyone is represented. We're different age groups. We are... We all bring different skill sets. Um, you know, there's jobs that people would be confident in that other mm. people would nearly die having to do. Um, and then other people step in. And I suppose the atmosphere that's there is an all hands on deck kind of atmosphere. So, you know, a WhatsApp message might go out. We need help with setting up for this, cleaning up. Mm. You get the thumbs up from people. I think if we didn't have that, we're at nothing, you know. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, it's just really important. It's where grants come into it as well. I think grant application is massively important. That's what and has enabled us. And the skill about applying for it's grants. A lot of paperwork, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we do have a massive team, and we have we have people behind the scenes that are constantly working at applying for anything that we might be eligible for, right. because it's the grants that have allowed us to be where we are today. We have a fabulous hall. We have a sensory garden. We are in the, the process of a big project in conjunction with the primary school at the moment for 
a walkway, AstroTurf pitch and restoration of the old school building. That took a lot of background work as well. So without grants, you know, we're at nothing because... It, it just has enabled us to bring all the fabulous amenities that we have mm. here in Ballyprene. But I guess, Roisin, that it requires constant work because if yeah. you sit back at all, um, services could be eroded yes. and you won't get those yes. grants and, the, and those yeah. fundings that you've been talking about. Absolutely, and that's why it's really important that we keep applying. We just yes. apply, apply and um, are absolutely delighted with what we get. And we use everything we get. It goes straight back in to the community council for those amenities to keep maintaining our hall, to keep our, I mean, our hall gets used for rentals, for classes and shows, and it's fabulous to see it being used as much as it is. But then also it goes into other areas. I mean, there's a Tidy Towns group that was set up recently, um, again, who are there after hitting the ground running um, mm. with projects they want to get involved into. Just, it's all going into to making our village as proactive and as beautiful as, as it can be. You're a, a young woman, Roisin. I mean, how important is it to get younger people involved uh, in, you know, the various aspects of a village like yeah. this? Yeah, I think, I think very important. I think, yeah. as I said, everybody brings something different to the table. And I think, you know, there may be somebody that has a certain skill set that, you know, we may need on board. I think it's, it's important. I suppose I only saw the work that went into it when I came to the village and when I was nominated to be on the community council. It's only then that I saw, wow, I've kind of learned a huge amount about the village, you know, about the history of the village yes. and what's actually involved. So I think for young people to get on board would be absolutely fantastic. And that gives a sense of place then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah, a sense of belonging. And, you know, as I said, it's the community council has its 20 members and... I think they need to be credited massively because, as I said, it's all voluntary. But it's also everybody else that just gets stuck in and works together. We work as a, as a unit, the different groups within the village, the different people, as I said, the businesses. We all just work together to kind of do what we can. You know, I don't know where you get the time because you have a young family as well and you're involved in so many other things too. Tell me a little of Tiernanog because Ali was filling me in on yeah. this. Tell me about your involvement with Tiernanog. Um, so about seven years ago, was it seven years ago? It was probably even longer now. Through a friend of a friend, I heard about Louise Quill. So Louise is a Kerry woman and she went out to Tanzania when she was in her early 20s and she saw a massive need for... Um, a safe, secure home for children out there, a lot of children that would be on the streets. So she went about setting up an orphanage. Um, she has a very good team behind her that um, helped her family, that helped her with that. I was just really, really intrigued and I went out there um, for two years in a row to spend time and um, get to know the children and the families. So it was phenomenal to see how one person can just drive themselves to help all of these kiddies. I mean, they, I think they have, they had 40 children in their care and they're in the middle now of creating a new building for them because the building they were in was falling down. It was really becoming unsanitary and safe for them. So they have a whole new children's village that they've got, gotten on board with. It's Tiernanog Orphanage um, on Facebook and .com as well. It's a fabulous initiative and I was and, delighted. And, and you raised money for them in, in what fashion uh, did you do that? Well, over the years, I suppose, I've, I've tried to give what I can when I can. And, you know, with COVID, like I used to do some face-to-face -face coffee mornings and things like that. But 
through COVID, I just decided just to walk last year, just to do um, a bit of mileage from the equivalent of from here, Ballyprene to Kerry to Tralee, um, just to give something back and keep it tipping away. And they do monthly donations, which go towards the children's education, their school as well. So, you know, it's just lovely to be able to know that you're giving something. And if all of that wasn't enough, you're involved with uh, animal welfare as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose I used to volunteer um, at some of the rescues. I volunteered up at the Dacia up in Ballymacarbury in County Waterford. And I just saw a massive, massive need for animals to be just helped when we can. I mean, the, the stories are horrific and, and the neglect is horrific. So I just thought, what can I do myself? Because, you know, I would love, my dream would be to have a sanctuary. Russell's Place is my, it's, it's our home. It's my mm. home. I, you know, we've opened it myself and my husband. I'm glad he's on board with me because that could be a, a disaster if he wasn't. But we used to foster animals. We would take in strays. We would find homes for animals. And I suppose when my girls came along, I had to take a little bit of a back seat. So I decided to set up an online platform on a Facebook page called Russell's Place. And I suppose I just saw the need for people to have a platform to share a lost pet, to rehome, help rehome a pet, um, just to put up posts to help people along. I mean, if somebody loses their animal, it's absolutely heartbreaking. They don't know where to go first. It's a way yeah. for me to be able to put their picture up. This dog is missing. Please contact this number. And there's been a big need for it. And I'm delighted to do it. Because if it was any of mine that went missing, you know, we've we've our animals at home. I would just love that somebody would be able to. I think it's fantastic get on what, board. what you're doing. You mentioned your husband, Dave, and because there's no secrets once whatsoever on this program, Roisin. I know that Dave is is a farmer, but he also teaches yoga. Yeah, he's a fully qualified why, why yoga you, instructor. Why are you surprised at that combination for some reason or other? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's always always been interested in yoga. Has always done it himself and found it really beneficial. So he went off and trained trained up in it, cool. and he teaches chair yoga. Um, and well, what's that now? Chair yoga. So it's yoga sitting on a chair, basically. So if people aren't, you know, comfortable enough with standing poses or they might have injuries or they might not be strong okay. in the legs, they will do all of their poses through chair through the chair. Um, and it's just a form of exercise. And he adores it. He loves meeting people. And right. um, yeah. And I know, did he teach upstairs here as well? He did. He, yeah, he teamed up with Pat. Yeah, he did meditation. Um, himself and Pat had classes up in Pat's shop up in upstairs. And are you into this as well, Pat? You're into. Uh, oh, I am, yeah. Yeah, yoga and meditation. Yeah, and yeah. Meditation. And I'm doing, I started going to another yoga class since Dave only does uh, chair yoga now. But right. like, uh, I enjoy his peace of mind. And it really works for oh you. Oh, my God. I can't express it. Yeah. Isn't that terrific? And standing behind the counter, you need a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> I presume you do indeed. Well, Roisin, it was lovely to meet Thank you, you today. So much. And congrats on all of the fantastic work. And, Pat, thanks for Thank hosting you. us here today. It's great uh, to be here. Beside the Aga, as I said, sure, where would you get it? Thanks very much indeed. No problem. Delighted to be here in Ballyporeen today. It is stop number one on our village tour of uh, the Premier County and we're looking forward to going to uh, other places as well. We'll be telling you about that in uh, the coming weeks. Right now we need to take a break. We'll be back with more from Ballyboreen in just a moment. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today, to our very special Tip Today indeed. We're coming to you from Ballyporeen. Specifically, we're coming from Russell's shop, the kitchen of Russell's shop here in Ballyporeen. And we're delighted to meet so many people as well. Don't forget, if you're listening, you can still call us, 1800 938 007. That's a free phone number. And indeed, you can text in WhatsApp, 083-311-3311. Now, right beside uh, Russell's shop here is the post office, and I'm delighted to be joined here in Russell's kitchen by Mary Kerry, and Mary is postmistress here. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, friend. Welcome to Belly Brian. Thank you very much indeed, and I'm delighted to be here as well. Tell me a bit about the history of the post office, first of all, Mary, if you would. How, how long is the post office? Oh, then? it is here as long as the Russell's are here. Is it? Yes, it is, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a long it's time. Long time, yes. And they used to have the old switchboard. Yeah. If you got a tell message. Jim Russell, Darcy Marsham, we have to send someone out with a message. It was an exchange. But then That's when, right. I saw the photograph of it. Correct, yeah, there, yeah. But then when Ron Reagan came to Belly Preen, it was all upgraded. They went modern and then they put the phones in. Just just when they knew he yes, was coming? Yes, they knew he was coming to Belly Preen. Is so it, it all changed that time. Isn't that incredible? How long are you involved, Mary? I'm here 32 years. Wow. Okay, so you were only a child when yes, you Yes, I'm just 18. 18 when I started. <laughs> Very good. And what was that like for you, Mary, at the Well, time? at that time, there was no computers. Yeah. With the old-fashioned ledger book, you'd have to add up both ledgers to make sure the balance worked out every evening. Thank God it worked perfect. <laughs> Still yeah. here, 32 years later. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the catchment area, I guess, is, is very large. Oh, it is a large area. You have, you have Arreglin, Dune, um, Belly Preen, Bourncourt, Skinnerinka, Clahine, because Clahine Post Office closed a couple of years ago. Of course, yeah. Margaret retired, and they come up to there. So it's a busy catchment area. Yeah. And we're lucky to still open in the times of her there. Do you know what? Well, I was speaking to Roisin Russell about that, and yeah, you're very lucky. Very lucky, still, actually, yeah, very lucky, no offense, because yeah. like, didn't they, people are very good in the community. It's a lovely community. They all pull together. Yes. All that we have this. We have the National School in Ballyprean, the creche, the J, the church, and we have the doctor here twice a week on a Tuesday and a Friday. Right. And the Friday is pinching day, so. So it's very much alive and kicking Correct, here, yes, it is, is, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, if you didn't have the post office here, though, you wouldn't be drawing in the people No, you wouldn't actually, areas. no, you wouldn't yeah. actually. It's very important, like, for a small rural community. Like, I have regular customers come every Friday, and if someone didn't come, you know there was something wrong. Yes. Do you know, you know that that person would, wouldn't turn up, they'd be, would send out an SOS looking in case there was something wrong. Because they'd always be there. They would, on a yeah, certain they would, day. yeah, certain day, yes, you would know. So it has a whole part in the community. Correct, yes, then, it yeah. is very important, actually. Yeah. So it's very important. Like, at the end of the day, like, all the small offices are closing. Yes. You know, it's hard going, like, but everyone is, is very supportive to Belly Preen, I must say, at the end of the day. Yeah, well, why wouldn't they be, yeah. I suppose? Is there a whole social aspect to it as well, Mary? I mean, do you know everything that's going on <laughs> in the parish because of where you are there? You would know everything. But all the yeah. news comes in, yeah. yeah. it does, yeah. And you help people, that, you, know, yeah. you know, you might fill up farms with people. You might be asked any question. You could even, so the day I had to book a uh, driving licence test for someone online, they couldn't do it over the phone. You have to go online. And didn't everyone is online? And like they went in to get a license, and they had you had to pay it by card. They were dealing cash. They wouldn't accept them. Like you know, it's it's incredible. Yeah, isn't it? didn't the people like yeah. their cash in the day, whatever way you go to work. Yeah, we're hearing about a lot of the banks closing down as well, the ATMs closing down. Does that put extra pressure on you then? Not really. No, we still have. We're busy. With, we have AIB. Yeah. We have Bank of Ireland, 
So it's we can t deposit cash, withdraw yeah, cash. Yeah, so you, you do the banking. Correct, sort and of you work. can do checks yeah. as well. Right. Okay. Um, have you seen? I mean, even in your time here, Mary, have you seen a change drastically? Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time, actually. Yeah. It's yeah. all. It's all kind of online now. Like you know, and how the older people wouldn't be online. Yes. In the day, like they'd like to come uh, in and get. Uh, and are they frustrated by that? Or are they? But because we, we all expect everybody to be online yeah now. they do at times like but people understand like you know they, if they're stuck they come in and ask me and i do help them as much as i could yes and would you in fact go online for them at times i would yes i would yes i right. help them out like if they were stuck so this is beyond the call of duty obviously. correct right <laughs> right but it's the way it is yes yeah. that's the way it is yes in small rural areas like what about the writing of letters because i think that has diminished quite a lot over the years has it oh it has big times it's all emails now and texts and whatsapp but the older generation again yeah we have a woman she's nearly 90 Every Christmas, she send out the Christmas cards. Her writing is perfect. Right. Come Easter, she send the same cards out as well. So she comes in for her stamps. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do Do you Do you get to know people extremely well? I mean, I guess you know what's going on in their lives and everything. Oh, they would. They tell you. It'd be like the helping them out whatever the problems they'd ask you, and you do as best you can. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? I do. Yes. I do. I like my job. Yeah. Very much, actually. Well, you'd have to, I suppose. Yeah. Just like six days a week. Is it? Yes. We're right. open five and a half. Monday to Saturday, like it's just six days a week. Right. And today, I would imagine, is particularly busy. Is it Thursday? Thursday, Thursday and Friday, yes. Every Thursday day is kind of busy. You'd have, right. You know, but Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday. And Monday is a busy day. People send them parcels and stuff and all that. Right. Okay. Any fears? Were the fears of losing it over the years? There was right? actually, there was a lot of fears. People, you know, they were trying to close them there a couple of years ago, but thank God yeah. we kept it open. Yeah. It sounds to me as if, um, I've only been speaking to a few people so far, but as if it's a very tight-knit community. Very tight, people yes. People work for each other. They do whatever one, they all come together. If there's anything on fundraisers, they all help out. Yeah. If there's anything else on, they all r r rally around together. Like you've, you've the community council, you've the tidy towns now, up and running, great success. And you have the GA up the road here, and they're all, everything is very well kept here, I must say. Isn't it great? So I'm also delighted to be joined here at the kitchen table by Lucinda Kennedy. Lucinda, good morning to you. Good morning to you, friend. And I was admiring your accent uh, earlier on. Again, it's not a Ballyporean accent. Where, where are you from, Lucinda? Uh, we're from uh, Victoria in Australia. Right. Why Ballyporean? Uh... Much like much Australians, a lot of ancestral connections in the area. Um, I have two great-great-grandmothers um, from Ireland, but my husband's great-great-grandfather was from the Cloheen and Shanrahan area. So um, visually, though, we, we just love the town and the, um, the aspect of the, the mountains where we are. It's beautiful. Right. So you decided to uproot and, and live here in this community? We did. Yeah. That's what uh, COVID uh, did to uh, our, our um, family as such. So uh, it wasn't an easy decision, but we'd been to Ireland many times before. And certainly on the last visit, it was something that was on, on the bucket list that we wanted to do while we were still able-bodied to, to still travel and, and have a look. So, yes. Very good. And are you staying here now? Yes, this we is, this are. This is home. This is home now. Australia is not home anymore. It, yeah. It's uh, Ballyparine. Uh, we moved into our home in, in February. Uh, we've been in Ireland for uh, a year just gone, but um, we've just been uh, totally accepted by the community here. It's been a lovely acceptance here, yeah, much appreciated. What was it like, though, to try and immerse yourself in, in a community that is very tight-knit in their own way, too? Uh, indeed. Um, in Australia, we were from a very similar area. We were from a small uh, rural community, um, so we were aware of um, what that might look like. Yes. But uh, we made the decision if we're going to move, we, we had to become involved 
in in the community right. itself. And, and you've done people. you've done that, haven't you? We tried to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So tell me what you're involved in. Uh, I'm. Well, my husband and I are involved in um, tidy towns, and also um, I've just recently joined the the church choir. I used to be in choir as a schoolgirl, so I thought I, I'd try that again. But um, and then just meeting people, um, you know, coming into Pat's shop and seeing Mary as well, and it's just. A, yes. a great feeling of acceptance in, into the community. We've really enjoyed it. Sometimes there's a danger that you might have a romantic view of what something is going to be like. And then you, yes. you, you're confronted then with, with living. It, it, has this lived up to what you thought it might be? Uh, it has. We yeah. didn't come in, certainly, with blinkers on or, or rose-coloured yes. glasses. Uh, we knew it, it, it's, it's different when you're here as a, a tourist, of course, on, on holidays. But um, we knew that that would maybe be a challenge, but it mm. has not come that way. We haven't felt that way. We, we have really been embraced by our neighbours, uh, just, just by people that we've come across and everyone says hello and yes. just we feel like we've been here longer than a year. Even though we live here, I'm sometimes scratching my head going, it, does that really <laughs> happen? You know, Because I see things happening in politics here and I really shake my head and go, this can't... Are you fascinated at the way we do things here? Because I know it gives me grave concern from time to time. Oh, the politics isn't much different to Australian politics. I think <laughs> yes, you have your own issues, God knows. Yeah. I must admit, though, your, your politicians here certainly make themselves known. Yes. Uh, in Australia, you only see them uh, when it's that vital yeah. time for election. But, um, no, there's really not a lot of difference. But you can certainly um, it, see the comparison between, you know, the, the Australian and Irish. There is definitely a connection there. A lot of people we've met... Oh, I, I have a cousin in Sydney. I, I have a relative in uh, Melbourne, right. um, and it is. It's Australia's a huge place for for Irish folk to go, um, especially fruit picking and and that type of thing as well. But um, no, we've just totally yeah. in, 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 embraced it here. But you know, and beautiful village. I mean, the, the scenery and and it is the local people have made us feel very welcome. Well, I I, I wouldn't wonder that they would make you feel welcome. And uh, thank you very much indeed for for joining us on the show today thank as well. You. Mary, how important is it for a local area like this to have a family like Lucinda's come in to the area? Well, very important today because we welcome everyone to come here. Yeah. And we have Ukrainians and they've been welcomed to Ballyprain. Yes. They look, they're looked after and they're very nice. It's unfortunate what happened out in their country. Yeah. But they're very welcome here in Ballyprain. They had a fundraiser there lately. The local choir had a fundraiser from They're doing very well, I must say. Very you good. Know. So it is the home of the stranger, is it? It is, yes. They're all yeah. very welcome in Yeah. Isn't that a lovely thing to be able to say? It is a lovely, yes. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I see the Pat is putting his hand up there when I said the, the home of the stranger, uh, because he, he, you see, he's seeing himself as that here as well. What, he's, he's a local. Yeah. He, <laughs> what did you make of him? There? Don't mind, don't mind his, his feelings about this now, but what did you make of Pat when he came to the uh, community, Mary? You can tell me the truth. It's just me and you chatting. He here. was a very nice chap and he was, was he? more than welcome. Yeah. Belly Preen. He really fits into Belly Preen. Right. They're all metabossing in Belly Preen. Good, and I wouldn't wonder either. Um, just the future of the post office, Mary? Well, I hope I'll be here for a long time yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, is it? Well, yeah, I hope you to do. be. Yes. <laughs> Still paying out the pensions. <laughs> right, OK. I learned in this business, sometimes, Mary, if you leave a gap, you see people tend to fill it. But you're much too quick and too smart for me today. You're leaving <laughs> me do the filling, which is, which is very good. Mary, thanks for thanks coming on. Listen, a real pleasure, and thank you very thank much you. indeed. Thank you very so much. From, thank you very from much. Russell's Kitchen, uh, we'll uh, take a little break. We'll be right back to you in just a moment. 
The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today, a rather special tip today. It is step one in our, uh, well, our journey around Tipperary's villages and we're delighted to be here in Ballyporeen. We're in Russell's shop. In fact, we're behind Russell's uh, shop at uh, Pat's kitchen table. We're beside the Aga and there's a lovely, lovely atmosphere about the place, that's for sure. Now, Ballyporeen might be a small village in South Tipperary, but it's a leading light when it comes to childcare and education. And joining me now is Anne Mackin, who is manager at the Early Childhood and Childcare Centre here in Ballyporeen. And good morning to you and uh, thanks for coming in to us today. How long has your centre been operating, Anne? Um, we opened in 2010. Yeah. And tell me about the importance of that for the area. I mean, it must have made a huge difference, particularly yeah, to women in the area. Oh, definitely. Well, to all families, you know, um, in 2010, we started off with seven employees. We now have 27 employees. Um, yeah, the, the the growing need is absolutely human. You know, it's huge yeah. in the village. Yeah, it is. And, and surrounding areas, obviously. So. We're hearing about huge issues in childcare because of the sheer numbers of families who need it, I, I suppose. Is that your experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The waiting lists are just huge. We're like, we're full up until 2025 now. Um, and it's really hard because when you've got locals coming looking for spaces and you just don't have them, it's so hard to explain how a, such a small area would have such a huge demand, but it does. Yeah. We keep hearing from the government about how they need to tackle the issues surrounding childcare. What are they doing so far? I mean, are you are you happy with what's going on? Um, I suppose it's been a long plan and I've actually been working with the department as well. Um, it's... I suppose they concentrated on just the free preschool for so many years yes. um, and trying to increase the funding there. So this year they brought in this new core funding. Um, so it spreads the funding to the under threes, which is the most expensive part yeah. for parents as yeah. well. Um, and also a lot of the under three areas in the country are shutting down because it's too expensive to run. So mm. our baby room would lose roughly about a thousand a week. Wow. Our waddlers would lose maybe six to seven hundred at least a week. So this core funding is helping to sustain us. Right, and Barely. is that because staff is, you, you need so many staff, exactly. particularly for the younger exactly. kids? Exactly, yeah. so if you have a child under 12 months, you the ratio is 3 to 1, but then you also have to have a spare staff to cover breaks and stuff, and course, then yeah. if they're 1 to 2, your ratio is 5 to 1. Right, and is staff the big issue? Staff is a huge issue in the whole country, and mm. a lot of people are leaving early years because of the bad reputation, the hard work, the bad pay rates. Yes. Um, so yeah, it is. It's it's a tough it's a tough environment to be. I've in. I've also been told um, that the inspections are difficult. I mean, and constant, are they? They are. Like we we are subject to like four to five um, inspections in the year, and they are um, they don't advise you in advance. They just walk up to your door. Like the Tusla would just come to your door. Like they do nursing homes. They do to us, and they expect they could be there for two days, going through everything. You know, making sure work, people are working to your policies and your procedures, making sure all the paperwork is in there. You know, making sure that you're adhering to your curriculum. Department of Education and Skills, just like they inspect for schools for their curriculum, they inspect us for curriculums. And um, yeah, pub will come down. So. People are of the illusion um, that if you're a community, you get funded by the government. We don't get funded 
any more than a private place would. Okay. We only get, the parents get the funding, not the centre. So if a parent is entitled to cheaper childcare and gets subsidies, the subsidies are paid to us. But we don't get any extra money from being a community childcare facility. We're just the same as a private. I think looking in on this and discussing it a lot over the years is that your main problem is that it's called childcare as opposed to child education because exactly. it's, very much, it's very much education. Exactly, it? it's huge. Like We have to have an individual learning and development plan for every child we have and that's from six months up to five years of age. And if any child has struggles or, you know, may have additional needs, like we have to have very in-depth plans and strategies put in place to support those children to reach their potential. It's incredible. And, uh, I mean, when you look to the future with this, I mean, more and more families are going to need Absolutely. access to this kind of Absolutely. care. Absolutely. And the government making it cheaper now, as in January, the government yeah. are getting more money off. So parents are going to naturally migrate to childcare yeah. facilities because it's going to be way cheaper than even a babysitter will be for them now. Right, but are the plans in place to cope with that? No, sure, there isn't. There isn't. Um, like, we are completely full until 2025. They're not even pregnant now and they're booking spaces. It's really a sad situation. And then people are coming and their baby is just born and saying, I want to book a place. I'm sorry, full up. Yes. And, and I just happen to know where you're concerned that people are coming from outside of the county to yeah, you and trying yeah. to book from outside of you. Exactly, exactly. Well, we have a very good reputation. You yeah. know, we have very high quality. We work really hard. We have a great team um, with us that, you know, they're really zoned in on the quality that they provide in their educational service to their children. And um, I suppose that reputation has... You know, precedes us now. Yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a good thing in its way. But it you're is. certainly your phone is ringing all the time, <laughs> uh, obviously as well. Tell me about Ashtar in in action. What exactly is that? Um, that was um, when the government brought forth a new curriculum from naught to six year olds. So it goes from naught until they're six. So junior and senior infants also have Ashtar. So it's just the name of the framework of curriculum that we go by, and yeah. we worked with the department and the the curriculum department of the uh, to put this into life to see how it works. So we were one of six services that were asked to work with the department for two years to see how this curriculum would be on the ground, right. um, which was great for us. It was a great training, a great education for us. Very good indeed. Um, you're, as if you're not busy enough as well, you're involved with uh, FOSS. What's your involvement with FOSS? Um, so I'm secretary of the FOSS board of directors. Um, so FOSS workers, you know, throughout care, Ardfinan, Ballyluby, Barncourt, Skaheen and Ballyperine. Um, yeah, so we help keep yeah. force in place, which is badly needed. And, and just tell me about that, because, uh, you know, particularly people in towns, they might be certain about how useful and how important force is to an area like Ballyperine. Tell me about the work that's done. Oh, absolutely. Um, so originally we had about uh, 12 force workers in the village. Yeah. Unfortunately, the amount of people that are available to work on FOS now is less or the, the, they're just not there. Um, so it has become even harder to sustain. The, they look after the graveyards, they look after the village, the tidy towns, they help. They, I, have, uh, I had originally three uh, FOS workers in our service to obviously cut costs. Um, so one was a maintenance and one was a cleaner and one was a cook. Now I've only got a maintenance person now, but I only have them till March. And then if they can't get another name that's suitable, that wants to work, then I won't have a maintenance guy either, which obviously adds to our cost. But well, so they are working the hall. They help clean, tidy the hall. Right. Is um, it a constant battle, though, to, to retain huge, people? To, huge, to, huge. Yeah. They're just the lists aren't there. When you go to the department for the lists, they just don't have people who are available for work on the full scheme. 
don't think the budget helped much though really either stay with me Anne if you if, if you would for a moment because I'm glad to be joined now by Betty Mee and Betty of course involved in Ballyporeen Tidy Towns Betty how are you? I'm very good thank you and thanks very much indeed for, for uh, making yourself available to us today will you tell us about um, Tidy Towns in the area and the importance of? Well, uh, we had Tidy Towns in Ballyporeen all during the 80s and 90s yes and Towards the end of the 90s, it kind of fell apart. And the community council then approached quite a few people in the village and asked us, would we be interested in getting involved in tidy towns again? Because they, well, a lot of work needed to be done. The, the village was starting to look a bit run down mm. and... Yeah. Um, so we had a we had a meeting then uh, in January, and to talk about our plans, and then we actually got up and running on uh, mid mid April. And a lot of volunteers, a lot of people involved. Uh, well, we've twenty four signed well, up okay. for it, but unfortunately, unfortunately, not everybody is able to come out. You know, every week. Right. Uh, we would have seven or eight people who would come out on a weekly basis, but then. Um, we we planted pots in up along the main street on both sides and the people living in the houses would come out and look after the pot in front of their house which is very valuable to us that we don't always have to be watering and and feeding them right and so uh, people have a responsibility for their own little areas they take that is responsibility that it? Okay. for it so even though we have so many on our um on the list um with all these people who come out and look after their own, and right. they would sweep in front of their own houses. Do you get? I often wonder, Betty, when I see people like yourselves working in areas and working very hard, and sometimes in bad weather and stuff. Do you get very frustrated when you find that somebody has just thrown stuff out the window of a car passing, or just oh. carelessly, you know, thrown stuff, even though there might be a bin nearby? Do, does that frustrate you? Very much so. Do you? And I'm at a loss as to, like, where the. We're the most educated, one of the most educated in Europe now. Yeah. And I would have thought that we would have left all that behind us. But we haven't. But we haven't at all. If, on my own road, uh, one day I was picking up uh, litter and someone passed by in a car and threw a bottle out just in front of me. So Even though they saw that you were... Even though they saw and I had the vest on me saying that it's tiny, tiny towns. towns. It's just lack of respect, I think. But then there's way more good people than there are. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Bad people, I think. Not saying that they're bad, but they uh, just thoughtless, I think, more than anything. Yeah, but there's more education than ever before, Betty. I don't think there's any excuse, to be honest with you. Well, you I know? don't either. Yeah. I just think that it's thoughtlessness, uh, maybe selfishness in a, in a way. I don't know. Right. Um, but you'll continue on doing this great work. Tell me about the lot. What's oh, the... The lot. The lot was a piece of ground behind houses on the main street. Well, it it's, goes from the main street down to the river, but you can't really see it from the road. And um, years and years ago, long before my time, it was a village dumping ground. Yes. But it, it's now, um, there's lots and lots of trees planted there. And there was a seat, but that fell apart. And um, it would be a nice recreation area. So we're focused on that for our plans for the future. Yes. 
and um, with with everything, of course, we have to, to be environmentally aware, but we need to put a plan in place on what type of wildflowers we would put in it. The trees, we've checked all the trees and almost all of them are native Irish trees. Right, so you have to be very particular, I very, suppose, about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, we can't just... It's not about planting now for colour or, um, you know, for the aesthetics of it. You have to... Everybody has to think about the environment right. now. And, and is that considered then in the adjudication, Betty? It is, is it okay very much that so. it's sustainable and that it's 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 local and all of that yes. kind of thing too? Yes. Isn't that very interesting indeed? The hall, of course, was redeveloped, and you you played a part in that too. Oh, I, the think. Ho- I wasn't involved <clears throat> with the ho- really yes. developing the hall, but it's a fantastic facility. Yes. We use it on a weekly basis. Right, but is the sensory garden around that area? The sensory garden is beside it. That's absolutely beautiful. Uh, The planting is beautiful. The whole ambience of the of the sensory garden is it's lovely to sit there and have a chat and a cuppa, you know, on a Mm. on a nice afternoon. And the young people use it a lot for Hanging out. Hanging out. And I must say, they're very responsive. Are they? Very okay. responsive. Okay, well, I, I'm, yes. I'm delighted to hear that. Mm. Well done to everybody involved in that, Betty. I think it's a, it's a great initiative, and it's lovely to see community spirit like that as well. And before I leave you go, just as I finished with it, you mentioned the budget there, and I have to go back to you on that. I mean, how did you feel about the budget in terms of childcare? Did it do everything you wanted, or um, did it even come close? Uh, yeah, they um, promised... Uh, us a five-year plan and it was to get to a billion to be invested in the sector within the five years but they're promising that for next year how that plans out and where that money goes it's hard to know Mm. the budget i think what annoyed me more than anything was that the false workers only got a five euro raise where people on social welfare got 12. so that doesn't really encourage the false workers to work on false and and that's what it's about isn't it encouraging people to work exactly exactly now the guys we have the girls we have that work on the false locally they do tremendous work and you know and it's because they love their community and they love what they're doing that they put so much effort in so it's great and it was great to see you today. And thank Betty, you. thank you so much indeed for coming along to us uh, today. We're here live from Ballyporeen this morning from Russell's shop. or in the kitchen behind the shop beside the Aga Fire. And it's great to be here. News and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. We are live from Ballyporeen as part of our village tour and we're broadcasting from Pat Russell's shop in the heart of the village. So once again, uh, just to put it out there, if you're in the area, stop by and say hello because Ali is with me and Owen uh, with me as well. They'd be delighted um, to meet up with you. And as well as that, Emma is back at base, 1800 938 007 if you want to chat to Emma. And indeed, you can text and WhatsApp 083 at any time. You can email us and that's tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now here in Russell's Kitchen, delighted to be joined by local historian Neil Donovan and local resident Jim Cray is with me as well. We'll be chatting to Jim in just a few moments' time. But first of all, can I turn uh, to you, Neil, and thank you again for for coming into us uh, uh, today. Rich history around the village, but probably best known for the visit of of Ronnie Reagan in in 1984. Is that fair to say, Neil? 
Uh, that's true to say, yeah. I mean, I suppose 84, but that, that story is, I suppose, of immigration and post-famine times. Everyone in the parish and Tipperary has that kind of story, really, people immigrating. But absolutely, that was, I suppose, that accumulated in quite a number of years with serious business and tourists and great crack around the place, really. I mean, yeah. the day itself was actually a horrible day, as it happens, weather-wise. But, for example, I think the Sunday before it, we had 20,000 people in the street and all the pubs ran out of drink and it was a summer's day and that was, you know, and a lot of tourists after and it was it was good good times, great times. The spotlight of the world would have been on Ballyborine at that uh, stage as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I suppose we were lucky in some respects we had Father Ana Condon, a very yes. able priest, a yeah. curate at the time. Um, and uh, my father was Condon of a council as well and Martin Evelyn, the county council and Farrell's and they took most of the interview in the limelight. They were, they were here. Mm. I, I do rec- I even recall a Japanese journalist flying into Dublin, hiring a taxi, driving all the ways down, and the Dublin taxi driver on the meter. And she can imagine the joy in his face. He's here for about two hours, went back up to Dublin in a taxi in the 1980. This would be 1980s, so you can imagine that. That kind of thing it was it was mad, really. But it was, yes. we, we loved it. Like, and how it did bring the How long did it go on for in terms of it drawing people into the village? How many years? Or- um, I suppose. It, things of that time was very different. American tourists was coming a bus, and mm. that was kind of their. They were first, maybe first to second generation Irish, and that was their life savings. And fifteen went into a bus and toured around Ireland. And Ireland then was, along with Cairn, Rock Cashel was a stop-off mm. point with the Mishton Caves as well. Um, but they, they that went on, I suppose, maybe for about five or six, maybe ten years. Mm. But the, in the in the shops, strangely enough, um, we realised that the, the, the children's school tours were even better. Yes. They all stopped here as well. It was like everyone, it's very different times. Mm. And they were great money spinners as well around the place. So they kept coming for years and years because we're so close to the Mishtown Caves as well, I suppose. Yes. But yeah, now you get a trickle now, you know. We yeah. have the Reg- there, I the was going to ask you that. Is there still an element of the uh, the Reagan link to people dropping in here? Uh, and, yeah, infrequently now, I'll be honest right. with you. Like, it, I mean, yeah. everything changed and nothing changed in history. The, the village is back to what it was, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it had the boom years and that, because in the 80s was tough times. So it was a great lift to the place and I mean you still meet people of a certain generation that will know Belly Perrine yeah. when you travel anywhere you know I'm intrigued at what happened to the pub where he drank the infamous uh, pint of Smithies and Farrell's because it's interesting what happened to the interior of that pub then. that's right yeah the Farrell's actually the, the, the building itself is interesting and that Farrell's as you can see is, is three story here but that actually was burnt by the Black and Tans in 1921 in March and uh, our hall, actually, you know, the history of the, the village is in the history of the hall. Ballyprene is a market town designed by the Kingston in the 1700s. And that hall is a market. It then became an RIC barracks, and Sean Hogan's column was determined to capture it. They spent many a time there. And in March, uh, 20 to March, I think, 1921, they had a real determined ones, the Black and Tans, and the auxiliaries came out from Care, Clahine, and basically they were through drink and they basically burned fowls and carnies beside it. And they were the same. If you look down the village, they were the same. Just pubs and a uh, yeah. shop, same height. But then they got quite conversations. No, that's why it's so big. It's, it's so tall. And same it was footprint. rebuilt. It was rebuilt. Think, yeah. And it's quite about a sink. And, and carnies, likewise, was a spectacular building. Um, but then... And John and Mary Farrell, when Ron <coughs> Reagan became... They called renamed the lounge Ron Reagan Lounge. Yes. And that has its own story, you know, and that brought its own publicity. It was great, really. Um, but when that time we had six pubs about it, the village. Now we have three for a village of three hundred. Was probably still plenty. Yes. But uh, and so they've closed down, and the, the the interior now is over in just outside Los Angeles, <laughs> um, on the Ron Reagan uh, Museum, and it's 
it's actually every president gets their own library or museum and Reagan has one just outside Los Angeles and you walk through it's very good but at the very end you come into a big hangar type thing where Air Force One and the pub is in its whole entirety is underneath uh, one of the wings and that is now a cafeteria the Ronald Reagan everything's the same and their videos on play but it's uh, it's quite funny it's, it's very well done but it's of a time because in the 80s I don't know if I remember everything that was in the 80s is, was on display so you get all these cheap plastic pool tournaments <laughs> trophies up in the back as well yes as well as all the reagan memorabilia but is uh so that's where it is now yeah in the just outside los angeles in isn't, the museum isn't it just incredible much more to belly Boreen than than uh, than ronald reagan of course and uh, an incredible history as well a mountainous area around it as well does that play a part in its history as well well it does yeah belly Boreen stretches from i mean the top of the galti skin rinka um through Betty Preen, right out to Ireland, to the mm. other side of the, you know, it's a pure valley and it's yes. rich enough, not as good as the Golden Vale now, but rich enough in dairy farming and it's a pure farming area, really. All it is down its years. Um, but again, Betty Preen is quite recent itself. As I said, a market town in the 1700s. Really, Temple Tenney, just, which ironically is just yes. two fields away from Reagan's ancestors, just on the way to Mishtown here. Um, that's the original, that's from 700 AD. That's the, the real, like that goes way back. Um, and again, if I know if you ever, it's typical of those. Uh, churches and cemeteries. There's thousands upon thousands buried there. Mm. Um, after that, then we had Carrigus Jail just up about a mile up or a kilometre up the road here. And then Ballyprean came into play with the church here in the 1820s. And again, it's unknown to it actually the, the village at the very bottom and the right hand side, there was a mill there. That's where Ballyprean got its name from. Ballyprean of the small stones. Ah, right. Conveniently, in the, in the 80s, we call it the small potatoes yes. for Reagan's visit, but actually, it's the small stones. That's the true translation. And Again, during the, in preparation for the Reagan visit, one day the council workers were returned. Everything got done. The phones, the, uh, we got modern phones, we got everything done. But they struck, in retiring, they, a hole appeared up top of the street. And there's a big viaduct. The size, you'd easily drive your van through it, um, running right through the hole, down the hole of the village. And that was bringing water to the, to the mill. And that was, so that was there before Ballybreen even. That was, again, from the Kingston times. Um, but that, and that house itself actually became the fever hospital then during the famine. And again, that probably tells its own story, really, in that, like everywhere in this valley, as you said, the, 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 and it read under the great book on the, <coughs> the history of this valley, the famine times. Yes. But when you look at the census, we had 7,000 in the parish before. Just for, for context, we have about 1,200 now. We've just over 300 in the village. That time, there was 7,000 in the parish, 700, maybe 800 in the village, and 120 up in Cairgus After the famine, that half to 350. The village less so 600, but really it was the immigration after the famine that decimated the place. That really halved it again. The fa- so the, ham- the famine halved the population, and immig- immigration for the next 20, 30, 40 years halved it again. Yeah. And that's, that's true of the valley, really. The, yeah, the but but that's an area where the land is relatively good. You know, you can imagine how it hit places that were... Yeah, oh no, 100%, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. bear in mind now, there's the, the history of the valley, again, it's quite interesting. And Rose Cleary and Burncourt has done quite a bit yeah. of this in, in that... We're in, the, we're in the, the bed of the valley. But that time, the, the British and the, obviously the occupation, they moved all the people, they realised it's the good part of the land, they moved them up to Galtys. Yes. In Bonkortskaheen, up to the lower plots. And they tiled that land. And, uh, you know, so you can imagine that was a big setback for them. But again, they made a living up there. They made a, quite a good living. But again, as one of the things I'm quite interested around here is the War of Independence mm. and subsequent wars. But it all goes back to the land. Yeah. I find the more you research it, the more it goes back to land. It goes back to the land league. It goes back to the craze, the whoever that 
they were, you know, they all suffered that. And that's why it was so strong here in this valley. And Ireland as well, bear in mind that, you know, we're in right in the three counties out there, up in Glebeni, out in Ireland as well. Yes. So it was really a hotbed of, and again, this area over the Galtys up to Cork, this is the route that came. Liam Lynch, Dan Breen, Tom Barry, on a regular basis, Ernie O'Malley spent most of his time mm. here. And uh, But that was the route out over Ireland, Barnagaiha, out to Brazos in Glenacuna, over into Ballyperreen, and up over the Galtys to Skaheen. And this was their concert. And Sean Hogan spent there. Of course, yeah. You just know, just steeped, steeped in history. Uh, before I move to Jim, just tell me about the artefacts. Uh, well, one particular artefact you were telling me about was very interesting. Yeah, we always um, we have a few artefacts uh, that were on display here in the, in the local hall. Um, Templetini Chalice from 1779 and a papal cross, which we always believed was 1725, our oldest artefact. But there in 2019, remarkably, um, I believe a walker up in the Galtys, the foot of the Rinka, they came across, it's a papal bullia, a lead papal bullia. It's about the size of a small coin. And this is before, you know, let's say most people relate to the wax on a, you know, putting the seal of, yes. sealing a document and sending this. This is what that did. It tied a rope oh, around right, it. Okay. And this is a lead, a lead thing that, it's a decree from the Pope, and the Pope, it was Pope uh, Martin the, the fifth, and his period was fourteen seventeen hundred to fourteen thirty one. So this, it's intriguing, really. What's the, so well, whoever had there. this had great authority, obviously. Absolutely, that's yes. from the Pope. Like yes. this is the Pope sending to. Uh, it's a decree from the Pope to say yes. whether maybe get your act house in order, yeah, or yeah. do this, do whatever. So they're not that frequent at all. Yes, but was the question is was it dropped? Were they going somewhere over the Galtys? Was there something up there that we don't know about? Um, in the 1400s, right. you know, because that, that only would be handed down warily, really. So it's intriguing. There's a bit more research to be done on it. So that now is the oldest artefact it, in the parish. It'll be very interesting when you find out more about out that. More. Thank you very much indeed for that, Neil. I'm delighted to be joined now by, by Jim Cray. Jim, I hope you don't mind my yeah. saying so, but you're a gentleman in your 90s, born and bred here. Yes, right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So t tell me about growing up in this area, Jim. Well, I was uh, I was reared at the bottom of the village, opposite the school or guards barracks down there. But um, we were reared in an attached house in the village, and there was ten of us. I had eight sisters, one brother. Wow! And I was middle. Right. So, I believe that um, my mother always told me she, she sent me to school up here in the convent school. I was age four. And. Pat Russell's grandfather used to frighten the, the <laughs> life out of me because he had a big moustache and false teeth and I used to go to cross the road to run up to the school and run down from the school. And it was only in later years that I got to know, you know, yeah. better and uh, I got the job of delivering telegrams out around Dune and Ireland. Did you? For for the post the office here? And, and, uh, yeah. Niles father was a young fellow. What what about school? Was it tough, Jim? Was was school it, tough? Well, it wasn't. I happened to be lucky enough that I was able to write well. And yeah. It's only when we started going down to we stayed in the conference school till we were eight, and then we were transferred down to the boys' school. Right. So we had to stay in school until we were fourteen. Now uh, I I wanted to go to secondary school in Mitchestown. There was a few other friends and colleagues of mine, Michael Keneally here. He was uh, cycling to Mitchestown, no free school at that time. But uh, my mother couldn't afford to buy a bicycle for me. Get a bicycle down here for £12, 10 shillings at the time, at a half crown a week. So you couldn't go to Mitchestown? I couldn't. I, I left school at 14 
and start jobbing around with farmers here. And then I got uh, job Danny Lyons, cattle dealer. He bought a truck, and I used to go around with him. And he I said, "Would you like to drive a lorry?" He said, "You might get a job as a bus driver one day." Did, did he know that? Later on, I gave two years driving London Transport and I gave 40 years in CIE in Dublin. 40 years in Dublin? 40 years. 40, we lived there for 43 years. Right. But I worked in CIE for 40 years. And was, bus driving in, in bus the driving, city? Bus driving, I was 13. <clears throat> no, they're driving in Donnybrook. The 11s, the 13s, the 48s, 45s, 44s out in the scary. You... So you knew that area like the back of I your hand, obviously. They know Dublin better than Dublin people. I'll bet you, yeah. Yeah. You you, you got promotion as well then. Did, I got did you end up as an inspector? In May yeah. 1972. Yeah. So it was 72 years an inspector. Uh, started off a grade A and finished a grade F. Cool. I was the supervisor above Bosaris for 10 years nearly before I retired. I got to know that part of Dublin very well, I can tell you. I can't we were near Sheriff Street. But you came home then, Jim. I came, I was, we we bought a house <laughs> for 1,350 mm. in Yeah. And we sold it for 250. Wow. wow. 40 years later. Very nice. That's a lovely area around South lovely County area. Dublin there, lovely isn't it? Lovely area around there because you have Nutgrove, you have Dundrum, yeah. Ratfarnham. Was close to the mountains and so on. Of course, yeah. Go off for trips around, but I got to know Dublin pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> maybe better than some of the Dublin. You didn't fellas. pick. You didn't pick up any of the accent anyway, Jim. That's for sure. No, no, yeah. I didn't ever want to lose it. <laughs> that's <laughs> the same way when I make phone calls now to anybody, they know straight away who was. Of course, they do. Yeah. So you, you lost your wife, Philomena. That, that was wife two died. years ago, was it? Just almost two years ago now. Yeah, they suddenly both. Did she? Give her a cup of tea at half twelve, and she was dead at half one. Oh, my God. And she drank the tea, and he said, but never moan or groan. Or I just came looking for her because she had a walker, and she was missing from her kitchen. I found her in the bed, in the bedroom. She was gone. A huge shock to you. Huge shock. We used to love going dancing and going to yourself a muriel. Oh, uh, they danced around. Uh, so yeah. on there. I was she so was sorry to hear it. Like when, she, yeah. when she died. How long were you married? 63 years. 63 years. 63 years. Yeah. And uh, I met her in the hall down here. She's from, from Watford. Phyllis Grace was her name. Yeah. And did you she meet her at, at, a, at a dance, was it? A dance, yes. Yeah. Bob Welch from Clown, Clown Mill used to play here that yeah. time. Yeah. Every Sunday night. So, yeah, that's where you met we, her. The first date was down in Clohean and a Pioneer Social. I had to borrow a Pioneer pen that night. <laughs> and, <go. laughs> and I'll tell you another yeah. funny one with Nihilus' father. He used to Pioneer for all his life. He used to run dances out in Belly Soggart, right. out in Ireland there. Yeah. And one night I used to drive a hackney car here at night time. Blanc to Pat Kehan. And uh, I had a hackney license and all that. So crowders went out to this pioneer social in Ballysaugot by school. James Willems was a lovely singer there. He was with us. There's about 10 of us fit into his big taxi. Yeah. And we all had borrowed pioneer pins. <laughs> <laughs> and Connie said it was the best night he ever had around the dance. We were in Mulvey's pub for... <laughs> 
an hour or two before we went out there. So, that's, uh, so you never took the pledge? That's my first time meeting Niles' father. Very good, yeah. So yeah. You, you didn't take the pledge at any point then? I did, actually. Did you? Oh, right. At one time, when yeah. it was getting serious with Phyllis, and I only kept it for about 12 months. Probation. Probation. Yeah, I went out to Father Field in Clohean. <laughs> what, what do you make of the way things are now? Um, you know, 2022, all big, the differences. Big, big of... changes, friend. There were, like, uh, I, was, I remember all the warriors. I remember all the rationing. Yeah. Problems we had with ration tea and sugar and different things. But uh, now, like, the, the fact that they don't, some of the, the younger crowd don't realise how well off they are now. Do they not? Oh, no, I don't think so, anyway. Mm. No, because we were, we were extremely poverty big yeah. family and you had to get out and do bits of work here and there I used to cut hedges for Mossy, Mossy O'Brien's mother and to get the few bob I had to give it up so then uh, when I got to Danny Lyons I remember my wage with Danny was 30 shillings a week and but I was got Sheila his wife who was from here this family she looked after me for four years, or four years with him, and go to all the fairs around Munster. And uh, you know, it's fairs when you name around County Cork, Limerick, Waterford, back up with his the cattle back down south, and he sell them in Care and Clonmel, feathers, and all around this area. Aren't they great memories, though, Jim? They're, aren't they great memories? Yeah, they are good, great. yeah they're good yeah. at the time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it was tough. It was tough work. It was just... tough work, but I still loved it. I thought that four years I gave it Danny was as good as any four years in any army because he was a great disciplinary man. Was he? Oh, yeah. And uh, we used to have... There's some funny story I couldn't yeah, yeah, say, yeah. repeat them here. Well, we're going to have to talk more at some stage, Jim, because it's a, it's a fantastic story. But I'm so sorry to hear about Philomena. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, look after yourself, Jim, and thanks very much thank for coming you, on the programme today. Thank, thank you very much thank indeed. You. Just before I let you go, uh, Neil, can I just ask you about the Field Development Committee? Because you're involved with that, aren't you? Yeah, we're. I suppose we, we didn't win quite a place for nothing. We're, keep, we're keeping going, to be honest, in Ballyperine, um and Skeen and Ireland, whatever. But we, we've got money to easily. Kind of a joint venture. We're building an astroturf, quite a big one, actually. It is uh, 87 by 45. And it's a joint venture with the GA development, yeah. um, Skull Temple Tenney and the Ballyperine Community Council. So that's actually the work has started by Premier Pitches there in Cashel, actually. Um, and that's ongoing. But And along with that, then, we'll have a, a one point three metre lit up walking path around the village which is quite a big popular thing Brilliant. Yeah. it'll be a success today it opens yeah. that kind of thing and also blowing the school the old boys school where we went to the school that's the f- after 120 years the floor has given way so we've got money to redevelop that again bring it up to modern standard for local use after school care and you know working hope and different things but, so again we're we're fundraising at the moment, I suppose, the GA have, or, you know, they contact GA for, and likewise the school as well, and the community council to get the funds. Because again, we, we've got, we've been very generous with Tipperary County Council and Leader and the Sports Capital, but always we have to match fund here locally. So they're ongoing at the moment, and in fairness, the village has been great, the hall is paid for, the sensory guards are paid for. So, you know, we, when we build them, we use them. 
and this is part of that as well. Of course it is indeed. Neil, lovely to see you today and thanks very much indeed, Neil Donovan there and Jim Cray as well. Jim, thanks very much very indeed for coming into yeah. us uh, today. We'll take a break. We're back with more tip today. Just in case you've just uh, joined us, we're on step one of our Trapes Around Tipperary's Villages and we're here in Ballyporeen. Back in just a moment. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie And you're very welcome back to Tip Today. And we're live from Ballyporeen as part of our trip around the villages of the Premier County. Now, delighted to be joined by Declan Hickey, another local man. Uh, Declan, good morning to you and thanks for for coming into us uh, today. You're another person who wears uh, quite a few hats, but you might be best known locally for your involvement in GAA, I suppose, Declan. Is that fair to say? Um, Fair to say, Fran, yeah. Welcome to the village this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. So tell me about that involvement. First of all, with the is it the juveniles you're involved with? I'm I'm, I'm currently involved with the juveniles. Well, I've always been involved with the juveniles, but... um I've, I relocated back to the village about, um, let's say it's 10, 11 years ago now we came back. Um, and since about 2010, I've been involved in coaching at juvenile level. Yes. Uh, coached a bit at county level as well with the underage uh, teams in the county. But at the moment, uh, I'm chairman of the juvenile committee here within the two clubs. Okay. So tell me about how things are going with the, uh, the clubs then. I mean, how healthy are they? Um, like from a numbers point of view, we're probably at our strongest that we've been in an awful long time. Um, For the last couple of years, we've been able to field on our own um, as a a club in both football and hurling underage at all levels. Um, We were... We started that off as a, as a C-grade club and now we're up to a B-grade club. So the development in terms of grade has been um, really valued, I think, by both football and hurling in the parish in the last couple of years. And, you know, it's our first year in the B-grade, but we've been competitive across the board and we're in an under-15 B-shield final this Sunday. Um, so, you know, we, we're, seeing, we're seeing big numbers, good progress. Uh, we're grateful to all the mentors, all the coaches. There's a huge committee in the background that I'm only a spokesperson for. Uh, we've Gerling King as secretary. We've Mary Handron PRO. Alison herself here is uh, is on mm. that committee, and, and and her son Gavin is 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 a big part of our under 15 and under 17 squads, albeit injured at the minute. Yes, but, you know, and the players that we have coming through, we've we've some exceptional talent across all of the age groups. Um, we have a playing community now from under five all the way up to under 17. Um, we started the under fives, our, our nursery group, um, about two years ago, and, and, and it was a hard hard, hard job for the mentors there in that in that space with the under fives, but they've imagine. done a great yeah. job with, 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 with the development there. We've introduced uh, agility, balance, and coordination for those kids at five, seven, and nine to give them those skills as they set out in their in their in their GA uh, journey. And this year, we're hoping, you know, for our under 15s and 17s, and, and potentially even our 19s, uh, to do some strength and conditioning as uh, development for them as they go into. It is the great to see it. There's so much call on young people's time now. Um, you know, other sports, other activities, and that kind of thing. Is it a constant? So you have you to work at it constantly. Yeah, we have to work at it. I mean, maybe. 10 years ago we wouldn't have seen that as a draw I mean it would have been a football and a, and a, and a hurling parish and yeah. it would be the exception 
who would have been playing rugby or soccer or yeah. any other sport. Um, but nowadays, that is part of life. I mean, kids have that open avenue from a sport point of view. We have rugby in Fermoy, Mitchellstown, Clonmel, Cashel. We have uh, soccer in our, in our local community here. We have Bourncourt. We have Park United inside of Mitchellstown. Um, you know, Care Park in some instances yes. as well. So the draws are, 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 are immense. Um, and it's great to see that. I mean, you know, when, when we were younger, um, we probably only had the GA football, handball, um, and kids got lost if they weren't in that space. Whereas now right. there's more avenues, and the community has been brilliant for that. It's, it's great to hear you look at it as a positive, though, as opposed to to yeah. a negative. That I think you have to, because yeah. kids kids <clears throat> kids have to develop with a sporting mindset, uh, yes. and it doesn't matter what that sport is. Um, there's kids who have a dramatical uh, drama background, musical background, yeah, yeah. and that's got to be catered for. And the schools have done a great job in that in recent times where they've given that opportunity to the kids, you know, be ukulele classes or whatever in the school in Valley Green. Um, you know, and I know the school in Skidman Kid is the same thing. So we're blessed in the parish to have people who embrace the youth and yes. give opportunity to youth. And of course, looking to the future as well, and I touched on this with uh, Neil earlier on as well, the field development, I mean, that's that's vital to the future, I suppose, isn't it? No, it's, it's, it's huge, and it's, and it's been a, a number of years in the, in the making, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've, got, a, we've got a field that's, that's up there that, that, that's got lighting. Yeah. Uh, the next stage of the development is, is the AstroTorf all-weather pitch, as we call it. We put up a hurling wall in the last year or two, so the facility itself is now growing to a point where it's as good as any facility in the county um, and that only augurs well for the for the children that are going to come into the come into the GA club in the next number of years. That isn't a great idea. You've chosen to to work from home now whereas you were commuting for, for many yeah. years indeed to Cork. What what is that like? Because I would have my reservations about that. I would find that difficult. But how how is it working out for you? I think I, I suppose my my background would be that, that that I left the parish and I went to Athlone and I worked in Athlone in pharmaceuticals for um, the bones of twelve years in Ilan. Um when our oldest, um, myself and my, my wife Mary, uh, who's from Kilbeheny, who's only five miles up the road, when our, when our oldest um, now uh, was four, we, we decided like we, we, we were going to really go back to the parish. We wanted to come back to our own community. So it was a draw on us to come back. Um, over the years, I've commuted. So I've, I've driven to Waterford to, to work in Waterford in pharmaceuticals with Genzyme uh, and to Cork to work with Gilead and Carrie Tool. So when COVID hit and the opportunity to work from home happened, um, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy working from home, but I like the hybrid environment. Yes, where you can yeah. work in both. Yeah. Um, and you know, so like in the last couple of months, I've stepped out. Um, I, I'm probably part of the um, the group of, of people who is looking at other opportunities now. So I'm doing a masters in supply chain uh, in Carlo, and I'm <clears throat> starting my own business through Enterprise Ireland. Wow. Um, so I'm going through a new frontiers program there to. Uh, to look at something in the pharmaceutical industry on digitising right. the, but the product. But isn't it fantastic that you can follow that path from Ballyporeen, yeah. you know, which is... And, 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 and I think it's, it's going to become more of what the norm will be. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the community council here have a hub uh, in the hall. They're, yes. The part of the development is to re re regenerate the old school to put in some work-from-home offices. Yes. Um, and that's hugely important, you know. And, and just as I wrap up, uh, Fran, what I do want to say is I do want to thank the schools for what they've been doing in the community for the GA, but also for the, the, the community as a whole. Um, 
And that's uh, a nice segue into what we're doing next. And thanks, Declan. Lovely to see you today. We're going to Ali and you. You've got something special happening Yeah, now, we've Ali. had a few visitors down from the top of the street, Fran. A few of the students here. Miss Russell is with me here from Ballyprim Primary Hello, School Russell. as well. How are you, Miss Russell? I'm good, thank you. And tell us, who did you bring in with us today? I brought third and fourth class from Templeton here in Ballyporeen. And they're going to say a poem called Ballyporeen. And it's a school, I know a lot of people will know, it's been kind of redeveloped and done up a lot in recent years as well. Um, tell us some of the work that's been undertaken there in the last few years, because it's a much bigger school compared to what people would have remembered it historically, maybe. Yeah, it is a much bigger school. And um, we're very lucky we have uh, a, a new school there. We have an indoor sports hall. So on days like today, when it's a little bit wet, we're lucky enough we can go to the hall for PE or other activities. We have the ball wall there since um, last year and then the AstroTurf will be an excellent addition yeah. just right behind the school so we're really really lucky with where it's located and the space behind the school that we have because well tomorrow we've to look forward to um, we have a trainer coming in Mark Keane comes in to do the hurling with them on a Friday and it's just right behind the school but isn't he a cork man why is he oh, no. teaching he hurling <laughs> what that's a disgrace no but he, he's great and he's doing a lot of schools around as yeah. well he's fantastic and they love him yeah and how many pupils are there now in and around 130. Fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. excellent. Numbers are great. Okay, so what are you all going to do for us today? A poem. And what's the poem called? Ballyprish. Or what else would you say? Okay, I'll count you down. So are you all ready? Yeah. In three, two, one. There is a spot that I adore. It lies not far from Galtimore. It nestles in a valley grand, a beauty spot in Ireland. I think after that there won't be homework tonight. Well, oh. <laughs> well done. Back to you, Fran. Oh, I love it. I love it. How many how many have we in here in Pat Russell's kitchen? 34. 34, 34 here packed in, in. in the kitchen. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Well done. Give yourselves another round of applause. You were just fantastic. Just fantastic. And uh, thanks to Muntor uh, Jean as well. All right, we're going to take a break. We're back with more from Ballyborine in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to TIP today. We're here in Ballyporeen. We're here in Russell's shop. Well, more importantly, we're here in the, the kitchen at the kitchen table. 
of Russell's shop beside the Aga Cooker here as well. So it's certainly very comfortable this morning. Now, it's been a tough time for small businesses. And God knows over the past year, um, no business has suffered more than the pub trade who are completely shut down. And here in Ballyporeen, it's a great example of how uh, the small pub is a rare thing because at one stage there was many, I, I think it's up to 11 pubs, in fact, in a small village. And now it's down to three. And uh, one lady who's at the helm of Meanie's Bar, better known locally as Nellie's, is Joni uh, Meany, who joins me now here at the kitchen table. Good morning to you, Joni. Good morning, Fran. And thanks very much indeed for coming in to us uh, today. It's it, it, Over the door is Meany's, but it's known as Nellie's because of your, your mum is Nellie's, that is. Yeah, it's been in her... Um, in her name, we'll say for 47 years. Right. Um, she inherited it from her father in 1975, but she lived all her life there. She was born there, born and bred in, in the in the house. So it was it's it's her livelihood. For she's 84 now, so she's 80 84 years in the house. Right, isn't, four years. isn't it a fantastic tradition? Yeah. But you were saying that the history of the pub goes way back, Way back it? to 1883 and when Mam's um, great-grandmother, Margaret Russell, that's that's one the the, the earliest record we have there of, of it. Um, she was the licence holder at the time and she had it for 11 years. Wow. And then she passed it on to her son, James Russell, and he and his wife ran it um, for 26 years. And then in 1923, my grandfather, which is my mum's dad, Michael, he ran it for a total of 52 years. And he died in 1975, and she took it then on her own solely. Isn't it incredible? And tell me about that work that she did, because, I mean, your mum ran it as a seven-day-a-week pub, yes. didn't she? I yes. mean, the amount of work in that. Yes, she ran it solo with the help of my dad. She married my dad yeah. in 1975 um, when he came to do a job for my grandfather on the roof. She, he met her <laughs> and basically um, he they got married then and when she took it over, they ran it together um, right. for years. Now, dad was never a publican. Yes, Mom yeah. was the publican and she ran it from seven days a week. She opened at half past ten in the morning and she stayed there every day until night time. What she a commitment. Yes. She must have loved it, Joni. She, she loves it. Yeah. And she still loves she it. She still loves it. Even yeah, she, yeah. Still loves it. Yeah. Yeah. she still loves it. She still loves the... Every day she'd ask me in the morning, is the door opened? Yeah. That's yeah, the first yeah. question. Did you open the door? Now, you're, you're running it as a five-day business at the, at the moment. Is that, is that the way present, it is? At present, yes. Yeah. I think since COVID, um, it kind of taught us all that, you know, we, we can live on, on less. And mm, yeah. basically, we can, we, can do, we can run a business on, on, on more sociable hours for ourselves. And we have a better lifestyle now. We have we've two days off. We close of a Tuesday to Thursday. And I think Mam sees that now. Does she? Yes, yeah. she sees that. Does she take a bit of convincing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she still every now and again would nudge me, will we open today? And I'd say, no, 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 we'll, right. we'll stick to our guns. And what is it that she loves, the, the, the social aspect she of it? She loves is it? the social aspect. Our house, I, I suppose to describe it, was always an open house. Mm. Um, mm. I, I have memories going back to my childhood when my grandmother, which was my mother's mother, Johanna Russell, she actually um, used to have big pots of soup on the fire. And I remember I all the customers, they'd all get cups of soup and my mother did that for years and years as well. I remember a postcard coming in one time in through the letterbox and they were the boys were going to Listo and Varna and they sent back this is from all your soup drinkers in Listo and Varna. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. I presume that, you know, during COVID or as we emerged from COVID, did you have to make a tough decision and say, are we or are we not 
going to go. Did it come down to that, Joni? Yes, I suppose um, we were. We knew we were always going to open because Mam always wanted to keep that door open, mm. and, and that's 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 her life, and I'm not going to take it away from her. Yes. So I decided to give up my job. I was working as an accountant for 22 years in Lavin and Ronan and for my, and I decided to stay with her mm. and 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 keep it going. Mm. Um, it's an old traditional pub. It's um, we've modernised it. We've We've done, you know, we've kept it up to date. Everything is, um, you know, as it is. And there's still the old snug, the hatch, the latch, you know, the hatch. Oh, the brilliant. That's still brilliant. there. Yeah. Now, it's it's not operating. Yeah. But um, Mam still recalls, like, when she took it over, that basically that the women used to go in there and sit around. So that's still there. And we've two stoves and we have... You know, with the old bellow, the fire, the fire oh, I wheel. Love all of that. I so just that's love it, it, yeah. it's just got a character. Did you have to um, embrace the, the notion of the the open air uh, opportunity for people in around the COVID thing, and you know, in, and even the smoking areas and all of that? Did you have? To? We did, we did. Uh, we knew when we had to open um, that we had to do something outside. Now we did have an open area, but not covered. So my husband and I, we decided then we that we'd tackle up the back, and we literally um, made an area, and it proved very successful um, for the last two summers. We've had good summers there we've had parties out there and i think it's it's been well received in the village to be honest mm. yeah growing up in a, in, a, in a pub business there must have been some great characters along along Absolutely. the way yeah. i mean i i have pictures on the walls at home have you? Uh, yes of different characters that used to come in i mean probably to me at the time they were old but they probably weren't but um yeah there's there's a lot of different characters a lot of a lot of stories told um yeah. Mum often said that I used to be. There was times there I'd be inside in the in the cot and I'd call somebody, Patsy, lift me, or, you know. So there's a lot of different characters that yeah. have passed on that I would have known. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's yeah. great. You, you, yeah. Your mother must have some fantastic memories altogether. Of she does. She lives times. first. She absolutely lives every day to open the front door. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you have people passing by, tourists and stuff who drop in? And uh, it, this is the real thing. This isn't the makey uppy old Bob. This is the real thing, no, isn't it? No, this is yeah. the real thing. Yes, we do. As As a matter of fact, yesterday um, I had four Americans, and right. last week again I had another three come in, um, looking for their ancestors. No. Unfortunately, um, my dad was the local historian. Mm. He loved all that kind of thing. So, I mean, I didn't have a whole pile of information. But, yeah, there is. I mean, mm. we're opened every day. So we do see what's passing through. Of course. And there it, is, there is. Yes. And is there still the Reagan thing going yes. on? Is there? Yes. Yeah. Like, you'll always have people that come and say, where's the Reagan pub? Where was the Reagan pub? Yes. Um, and yes, yes, there would be. Yes. Yeah. Like, our, our um, American relations were found through the time Ronald Reagan came to Ballyporeen when the media flashed over the pub. Um, meanies, meanies, yeah. Um, and basically, um, they they just traced my dad, and lo and behold, <laughs> we've hundreds of them over there Isn't in all that, different parts. Is, of America. is that incredible? Yeah. Am I right in saying that there was eleven pubs here at one stage? Yes, or? there was eleven pubs. Yeah, yeah. Good God! There was four pubs together up the street. Our one Dailies, which now we have as an Airbnb, and then the one next to it, and then my own house was a right. pub as well. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. And and obviously there was enough business from the. Oh, apparently, yeah. Mam said there was <clears throat> loads of business. There was enough. Yeah, back yeah. then was a different time to well, now. When people had very little. It's, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's absolutely. How do you see the the future of a pub like yours going? I mean, because. 
Well, I suppose we're, we we kind of stick to a business model of we just stick to what um, what we can do ourselves. Yes. And basically, um, I mean, we we'd have we'd say a limited amount on draft, just what we can sell. So um, that gives us leeway. Then you yes. know that we yeah. don't we're not you're not overstretching yourself to, at yeah. all, and we kind of go on demand every week. On well, we wish her the very best indeed, and your mum as well, anyway, Nelly. She is, and I yeah. hope she's listening to us, is she? She is. She's below well, listening, yeah. Well, a big hello to her, in, yeah. indeed. Joni, yeah. it's lovely to meet you. And thank you very much for Thanks very much. The thank you for, thank you. for coming into us uh, today. We're here live from Ballyporeen. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111. You're very welcome back to Tip Today. And it's a very special day because it's the uh, first in a line of villages that we'll be visiting over the next uh, weeks and months. And we're really looking forward to to it. We started off today in lovely Ballyporeen and that's where we are right now in Russell's shop and we're here in the kitchen. It's a lovely kitchen table beside the, the Aga here as well so it's bringing us all back uh, memories. I'm delighted to be joined here in Russell's by the CEO of Marito 8020 and that is Muriel Cuddy and uh, Muriel you're welcome. How are you? Thanks Ryan. I'm great. Welcome great. to the I'm kitchen sure. table here. You said it brought you back memories? This is brilliant, yeah. I haven't, like, this is the way we were reared. Yeah. Looking at the, the Aga and I'm looking at the kitchen table and, uh, yeah, it's, it's bring me back 30 years, literally. Isn't, yeah. isn't it great altogether? Yeah. Of course, we're here in the heart of uh, a community and, you know, a lot of us would hope that we can deal with our health issues here in our communities as well. That's important, Muriel. You know, it's funny because even when we were driving out, I was just saying to Saeed that came with me, um, health and listening to people and taking time to chat, the fact that you're in the middle of the community of Ballyporeen or any community in Tipperary, I think that's so important. Mm. For people to listen, people are standing outside the door having a chat. Yeah. That's just lost at every single level, Fran. And I had goose pimples even when we were chatting about this this morning because we opened yesterday, you know, the official opening or yes. whatever was yesterday, and we had lines through the door. And anybody that looks at the social media pictures or whatever will see we have a big long stairs, like into the clinic or whatever. And it was at the top of the stairs at every client as we came out. And one of the things that really just blew me away was people just wanted you to listen. So everybody had a different issue or they were in for a different reason. Now, I mean, it, it's so random. Like there was a lady in and she actually had suffered heart failure, but she was in to talk to the aesthetic doctor because she wanted to look better. Isn't that fantastic, though? I just was blown away. And, yeah. and people just wanted to... I'm listening to the GPs lately, as in you're only allowed to talk about one thing at a time. If you've one complaint, that's all you have time for. And you're literally, you're in and out. So to listen and chat and allow people the chance to chat, Fran, the importance of it, it just can't be stressed. Are you building that into your ethos? Then? Oh, yeah. do you know what? It's part of, part of my DNA anyway. Yeah. Um, my kids won't walk down the street with me because I talk to people. But I just think that's lost. As yeah. in, I've come in every morning and there's builders, the lads are everywhere, right? And we're going to have to do something for the lads that have put together like our masterpiece because we're just so grateful to them. But the builders are there and I've chatted to them all every morning. But one in particular, I've become very good friends with. And if he's listening later, on to this because he listens to the podcast at mm. night when he's sitting down. Um, so I'm not going to mention any names, but when I came in on Monday morning, I said, how was your weekend? And he's only OK. And I said, why? Um, and he said, oh, he went on to tell me, his 15-year-old daughter of goose pimples, and I'm not even thinking about it, had committed suicide 
um, seven years ago or six years ago, seven years ago, and it was her 22nd birthday on Sunday. Oh, my God. And he was telling me, like, how he'd been at the grave and all the different bits and pieces. And we got chatting about family and whatever. Now, it was a 10, 15-minute chat going in on a Monday morning. I had a lot in my head. I had a lot to do. It was a stressful week. But it changed the course of my day, that 15 minutes. Like, it gave me a kick in the backside, as in, I have nothing to worry about. That's about what's important, you mean? It made it? me think yeah. about him. It made me think about his weekend, yeah. his day. He had to turn up for work. You talk about all the health-related side of things, like and how you should be eating right and all the different bits and pieces, but that's on one side. The other side, friend, mm. is like... Yeah. Real people with real issues. Real yeah. issues of life, of things that people are going through, and if we don't stop to take the time to listen... People yeah. are just wandering through life, I feel, aimlessly at the minute, especially the older generation, or say even like mid-40s on, because you're busy. And if people don't stop to listen to you and you've loads of things in your head, problems escalate. Mm. Things, you overthink things. And Muriel, you... is there a lot that we can learn from a place like Valley Boreen? Because even speaking to Pat this morning, it's not just a shop. It's a place where people meet up. I was speaking to Mary in the post office. It's not just a post office. <laughs> She's able to tell if somebody doesn't turn up, who usually would turn up, yep. that maybe somebody needs to go and visit that house and see what's wrong. You know, um, with everything going, like the post office is closing and the shops and all the bits and pieces, that's a real worry, isn't mm. it? It's a real mm. worry for rural Ireland. Um, there's a, a lady that lives just, say, as the crow would fly, three fields away from me. Um, and I walk that loop when I'm out walking or whatever. She's, I think, 90. She went down every single Saturday, so town is Clonmel, and she went in on the local bus. Um, she used to thumb and I used to give her a lift in. Mm. This is actually really funny. She was sitting in the Jeep one day and my seat was heated in the Jeep. It wasn't a new Jeep brand now for anyone that's listening and think the Orioles <laughs> loaded or whatever, but the seat was heated and we were heading in and she was chatting and she'd sit and she'd look at me when she was talking to me coming in if she had something to say. Yes. Just as we were going in along, she said, Muriel. I said, what's up with you, Kitty? And she said, Muriel, my backside's on fire. <laughs> she said, what's wrong? <laughs> seat or whatever. But anyway, this woman, her, her, every Friday she went to town. Yes. She went on the local bus, right? But this Friday she didn't turn up at the end, the end of the road. Um, and the guy that drove the bus walked all around the town um, and he thought she was after getting a spin in, but he couldn't find her. So in all her usual places, go garments for coffee and she had all her usual and he couldn't find her. So on the way back out, she said, I better run up and see if she's okay. So he ran up and he went in, in along a boreen, in along to the house. She was after falling the night before. And she'd ha she had a had had a stroke. She'd cut her hand. She'd cut whatever it is. And she was just after. She was literally had passed out by this time because this was like fifteen or sixteen hours later. But if he hadn't gone back and hadn't checked and hadn't found her, she would have been dead. I don't know. Would it have been a week later before she was found? I don't know. She lived on her own. That's the rural community, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it just? Yeah. And I'm thinking from a health point of view as well. And a lot of what I'm getting from the program this morning is the volunteer aspect to the 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 growth of a village, I suppose, as well. Mm. And and volunteering for our health as well, Muriel. I mean, it's it's important, isn't it? Oh, you know, it, it's it, I, when I said about the PC or even the time to reflect piece. Yes. Literally. That's your health on every single side. That's the emotional, the physical and the mental. So the physical side, say the exercise and nutrition that I talk about all the time and that, you know, you come in and we do a health screen and we do all of that kind of mm. thing. But the emotional side, that you're actually chatting to people, that you're, 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 give them a full hour of your time, that you find out every single thing about, well, why aren't you physically able to keep up? Why aren't you physically healthy? What's actually happening? And then the mental side of when you have those two pieces put together, how much better do you feel? So if you are, say, in clinic with us, say, just on a whatever, and you're standing at the top of the stairs, if you've come in and you've spent an hour, is there a smile on your face going out? Do you feel a little bit better that the spring is back in your step? Mm. Somebody listened 
they can do something for you and maybe if they didn't today they can down the road or whatever we're losing all of that and you get that here in the shop mm. but even if you just come in and you have the chat once you've gone back out the door somebody listened you've got to talk to somebody and you've just yeah you feel a little bit better and I'm also thinking that and it's something you speak to us about all of the time is local produce here are we looking at honey for example that's that pat mm. um produces here as well but you also have access to the very best of produce in in the area in terms of our food which is i said to you i picked it up i said there's your probiotic yeah. um, or your prebiotic friend you need to put that in your your porridge yeah. if we ate local produce we'd all be fine you know, um, somebody was saying to me coming in about the environmental toxins. Yes. They had to bring their child to um, one of the private hospitals or whatever um, because of skin condition of so, or something or other. Environmental toxins, what's in our food and what is sprayed around us is affecting us on every single level. You're in a place like Ballyporeen. Like, chances are you should hope there aren't any sprays or whatever. Country life is definitely better, you know, mm. I'd hope. And foods like this that you can actually get and buy off the shelf that people are making locally, that's going to make you well. Yeah, uh, more and more people uh, moving back into the community as well. We were talking about Declan, who works in the pharmaceutical business, but he has an opportunity to work from home. He chooses to come back to where he's from as mm. well. More and more people are doing that as well. You see that, I guess, as a very much a positive. Don't oh you? yeah, definitely. Well, anything that helps physically, mentally, and family life, and all of that kind of thing, I definitely. And I think memories of where you grew up we would have done things on a different level, wouldn't we? Like time out, yes. back with the GA, uh, the walks, all the different bits and pieces. You do lose that when you're very busy. So anyone that comes back and they're not doing the commute, commute from him for Washford would have been an hour or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, sure, Take yeah. those two hours back in the day, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? So right. I think, yeah. So long as you use them, I suppose, in a in a, a proper way. And you, yeah. yeah, well, I'm talking about that all the time, aren't I, Fran? Yeah. Literally, yeah. The, the I love the way you're looking at me when you're saying this. But yeah, but putting your feet up huh? and, and using them to watch Netflix isn't what you'd have in mind, I Not guess. really, yeah. but you know what? It's all time out as well, isn't mm. it? The Marito 80-20, the 80-20 is literally because of the 20%. So many people have said that to me this week and they said, but you don't eat biscuits, Muriel. Um, Saeed is here. Saeed, is there biscuits in our press inside? There's biscuits. He's, he's just smiling he's smi at you. Yes, <laughs> there's biscuits in the press. There's wine in the fridge. Right. All the different bits and pieces are there. It's exactly the same with Netflix, Fran. It's like, do your 10 or 15 minutes. And we did talk about this as well. I've done 39,000 steps over the weekend moving in. And I've done 20,000 each of the days of this week trying to get things sorted. Without and trying, really. Without, this, this is just this is work. This work. is just trying yeah. to get the bits and pieces. But we spoke about this. We said, um, how long does the after effect last for? And do we need to stay doing this? Like anyone that's lost a few pounds this week or whatever. Once you do something every single day. So if I was to stay doing that for the next month, hmm. that would stop. My body would actually get used to it. Um, and the calorie deficit is there now at the minute, but that should stop because my body is used to it and I would stay exactly where I am weight-wise. So it's the extra you do. So if you're a nurse or you're, like we talk, spoke with the builders outside, none of them are slim skinny minis or slim jims mm -hmm. or whatever it is, because their bodies are used to them going all day long and they're walking all those steps and they're carrying all that stuff and they're eating the same diet. So you have to do the extra. You have to go above and beyond in the evening time. So this explains why sometimes uh, a diet would plateau, for example. Absolutely, yeah. If you're not doing the extra, tw or you change it up. So if you're doing your 60-minute walk ah. all the time and you're eating the same things, your body gets used to it, calorie right. balances out or whatever it is. Why didn't anybody tell me that when I'm dieting over the years as well? You need to run. You need to get faster. Or, yeah. I only run or when somebody's chasing me. Pull really. back from the table or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's All those nice yeah. words, yeah. So yeah. you moved in, 
yesterday to the yesterday the we were moved in all over the weekend so we cleaned 50 million times as the dust stayed rising and then yesterday morning we opened our doors at nine o'clock and we welcomed in our first client at 10 o'clock which was fantastic it must yeah. have been a special moment after all of the well i said to the lads i'd start crying i didn't cry but yeah, um, yeah. massively um it was mammy's birthday on monday so on Monday night, I was able to sit down and somebody bought a bunch of flowers and they were on the window and she loved flowers. And I just thought, it's 20 years. I'm, do well, I'm doing this world longer than 20 years, the preventative medicine side. Yes. And now to be able to do the whole 360 degrees, like I said, chatting to people yesterday, there was one girl came in with her dad. I'm not going to mention any names because he listens to the radio or whatever, but she was able to go to the doctor and she, was, she, has, she has acne. Um, and it, this really bothers her and they were wondering was it stress related but she was able to put the piece together on the hormonal side with the doctor and then she was able to come in and talk to me on the nutritional side and the gut related issues and the stress and we were able to do the whole lot and when I when she was finished I gave her my number and I said how do you feel and she said she was smiling and she said I can do something now I can make a difference I can yes. actually work this out for me that's the benefit now of having the clinic as it is it's yes. a 360 degree and approach we've often spoken about the cosmetic aspect of it but you're finding that your own end of the business is, is thriving completely absolutely yeah it, and so it, you people know are still looking for the basics I well suppose. you see you've got to do the basics because if somebody wants to come in and look well there's other issues as well right it all goes together so you can stick a needle in somebody's face and do the, the the wrinkles and all the bits and pieces but the minute you sit and talk to somebody on that side there are 10 other things that are always bothering them as well so you don't just come in and do one thing if when you come in like you can do 10 dif different things which is what you need to do because then a person goes out looking well and feeling well and that's what it's about isn't it very interesting indeed yeah. if people want to make contact with you and chat to you about whatever aspect of what it is that you're doing how can they do that Mary? um so they can ring 083 um 095 so that's 095 or all our social media like um Instagram, Facebook, uh, they're all there and all the content is, is, is going up. Actually, I think Saeed has, have you got video content of the aesthetic side? So it's somebody getting a nose job or something with injections and all the bits. So anyone that's interested in watching you the gory details, they okay. can actually have a look when Saeed puts it and up that, the th weekend. that's on your, your Facebook, is it? Um, I think it's gone up to tomorrow, the next right, year. Very good. Yeah. And, and some, uh, some of the footage from today with yes, you beside the yes, Aga yes. will be up there as well. Yeah. Look, it's always lovely to see you and uh, welcome thanks. to Valley Boreen. Thanks, and, Fran. Uh, Great I'm glad that you're being brought back memories by sitting at the kitchen table beside the Aga yes. Cooker. It's great, isn't yeah. it? Thanks, Muriel. Thanks, thanks you, and Good morning to you. That's the CEO of Marito uh, 8020, a brand new clinic in Clonmel. And uh, that was uh, Muriel Cuddy. Delighted to be here in Ballyporeen today. We'll take a little break and we'll be back with more in just a tad. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Welcome back to Ballyporeen and Russell's shop and more importantly, Russell, Russell's uh, kitchen where I'm enjoying uh, the coffee at the moment that Alison has made, which is really, really remarkable. Thanks for that, Ali. Um, there's a lot of slagging going on during the ad break and I'm hoping that it will continue on air right now because at the heart of any rural community is its GAA and I'm delighted to be joined by two representatives of the club. Breda Fitzgibbon is with me. Breda is Secretary of Skeen Skeen 
Rinky, uh, hurling club and a former chairperson indeed, which is the, the hurling side of the club. And of course, Ballyboreen is the football side of it. And the chairperson of the ladies club is Anne Kaplis, who joins me as well. So you're both very, very welcome. And thank you for, for joining us today. Brida, can I start with you? I hear you're going to tell me all of the background to, to Alison's contribution to the club and all of that, I know, and all of the gossip, are you? No, you you can't tell everything on live and radio. There's only a certain amount you can tell anybody. But I have to say, Alison, he's involved with the ladies. And I said, she's she definitely have it for the work she's doing with G&T yes. She has a fantastic talent for us. Do you think so? And I think you're very lucky to have her. Well, you see, she, so I do hope you'll hold on well, to her. Well, she's bossing me around all the time, so I'm, I'm hopeful that she's sort of bringing that to the club as well. No, she's pointing you in the right direction. Oh, Lord, the semantics of it all. You can't beat it. The club has had great success, Breda. It has. It's 70 years old this yeah. year. It started in 1952 by a small few people from Skeyrinka. Um, it, it, they were putting out a team every year, but we're never, never get anywhere. Till 1981, the first South final was won. Uh, it, was, it went to a replay. They played Marlfield. And I was delighted with the likes of the Eddie Matters, the John Goffs and Jim Fox and all those that Nick Harris. They had given so much to the club at that stage and hadn't achieved anything. Yes. So yeah. it was their first South title and the club went from strength to strength after that. That was the first one they won and in, in the 90s then won about five or six of them. It, after that it just seemed to it was the win that was needed to get the club going and we had the youngest team in 1990 we had the youngest South youngest team that ever won a South Junior A title. Wow. And he's gone from strength to strength. We've won two county titles now and we won um our second county title last year, and we made as far as the Munster final. Isn't that great? And it's so important. You see, success breeds success, I suppose, it in does. its own way too, Breda, it doesn't does. it? Yeah. It does, because, you see, I suppose everyone turned out to see the 81 team. Mm. Like, a lot of them now would have been, I suppose they'd call them senior players now at this stage. They were players much mm. younger starting mm. now. But that gave... People started following the club a lot more. It was only after that that I came into the club and got involved with the club. Now I'm telling you my number of years I was not <laughs> in the club. I'm doing my math here, Breda. <laughs> and uh, I suppose the success of Conor Sweeney as well, that, that's inspiring for you. Yes, Conor, well, Conor. It was great. I, it's great to see a small parish. You see, you, you, where do you have big clubs? They have, they have teams at every grade. Yeah. Like a small parish like this, we have two adult teams, and, of course, the juveniles, as Declan was speaking with earlier, fantastic success yeah. in that. But then the juveniles, we would always remember the juveniles because the success, the works on the juveniles, is the senior clubs will always benefit from that success. Yes. So the juveniles, all adult clubs should always make sure that they keep their eye on their right. juveniles. Because they're coming up along. They're the lifeblood of yeah. the adults coming through. And the current team we have today, every one of them were brought up at juvenile level. And some of that, those juveniles didn't win anything. But they were brought up with the will mentality of keep at it, you get there, and they have. Do you go along with the Declan's notion that the kind of competition to the GAA is a good thing in itself? I mean, you have soccer, you have rugby out there as well. Kids are, you know, they have a lot of options now, but they're obviously there choosing There's an awful GAA. lot of options. Yeah. You see, there's, there's a GAA club in every parish. Yes. Irrespective of the size, there's a one in every parish. And, like, all you've got to do is just go to that local. And, like, when they start, like, Declan said, like, under fives now, everyone should bring their childhood. They may not like Jay, but give it the opportunity, yeah. let them find out. Yeah. They'll make friends, you'll make friends in Jay, you'll have for life, even if a player goes away from the game. If players go anywhere else, 
the first people they'll meet up if they immigrate anywhere is Jay. Yeah. It's the first yeah. thing they'll join. We have play, two players now that have gone to England. They're joining two clubs. They're joining a club in, in London already. Right. And there's a whole social aspect there's to that then. It brings them into the area. they get to know people. I know. And it's like anything. That's how we join an organisation in your parish, whatever it is. Yeah. Like you'd lose Cinda on there earlier on. Yeah. She went to our parish. From Australia, yeah. I said she had come in town. Like, she's got to know so many people now yeah. and loves it. And the more she meets and say, well, we have this and that and that. That's in the G again. Bring your children along to it. They may not always stay at it. Bring them, give them the opportunity. Mm. Right, you can do the other sports as well. But you've only to go down to your local parish and your, your field is there. The, like, the membership is nominal and there's loads of people to give you out. They have a fantastic summer camp there every year. They all gather for a week of fun and activity. Isn't it great to see it? And with us as well, chairperson of uh, the Ladies Club. And I mean, when, when did the Ladies Club begin? When did that? So we set up in two thousand, the Millennium, um, by the principal here in the school at the time, Mr. Deneen. Uh, so the two schools just joined together in that year, um, and the principal said that he wanted to bring the girls to the. Uh, school blitzes so he approached a few parents and asked them would they set up a club because he felt that they needed more training at just not just the school training yeah so i suppose there was a, a good few people involved in that but one one lady in particular was josie meany she drove the the build and the start up of the of the club that's um, josie that i met earlier from the pub is it no, no that's a different no, josie, that's okay. a different josie right. yeah um and we played our first championship game in 2021 or 2000 and one sorry yeah 2001 um and it kind of built from there we had won two teams and we kept going up and up the age groups then um we did you know with kids going to college and girls going to college it's it's very hard to maintain the numbers of um uh, for girls at, at that at mm. that age you know so we kind of rebuilt the club there about six or seven years ago and we're we're thriving now again isn't that yeah. great to see you because of course we constantly hear that keeping teenage girls playing ga um, can be a problem it can be difficult to, yeah. is, that, is that your experience it is it is very difficult yeah. yeah yeah it is very difficult which all the, you know there's lots of things on and discos play a huge um, yeah. part in, in it um, but yeah it is it is difficult yeah well it's great to know though that it's it's um, successful you know what what about the uh, the future because ladies football seems to be taking off countrywide yeah know? no it's it's grown hugely over the last while um i suppose particularly with the the partnership of lidl's have um done yeah. huge work for ladies football and publicized it around plus i think girls just li like playing sport and, and fe feeling equal you know and and feeling like that they're competing and if you can get over the kind of the 14 16 17 year mark that seems to be the very difficult part and after that they love the the, the competitiveness making friends staying active especially when you know um to to keep them all together as well of course what it needs is people like yourself though to be involved and be coaching and be looking after them. is is that difficult to get people to the, do all yeah it is, is it very difficult the volunteer now. volunteers yeah it's yeah. a lot of time and a lot of effort and i don't think people realize the amount of time that goes into the thinking and the you know did i do that child right or you know or yeah. there's a lot of, there's an awful lot in it yes really. um this year now in ballyprene there'll be a huge recruitment campaign to to get people on board and to volunteer to volunteer and to do training and back in the background as well yeah uh, Brina what about that uh, you know just getting volunteers like yourselves um, to 
to uh, coach and to look after kids and do all of that. You know, is is that becoming more of a problem than it used to be, or is it improving? There's a huge commitment because there's a lot. The expectations now are far greater than they used to be. At adult level, like the expectations, like. You have people on the outside looking in and they expect they should win. If they're not winning, well, why aren't we winning? And they question everything. It's, it, it is These getting, are people who are on the sideline. Look, you will <laughs> not go to any game now without having the physio. Right. Strength and conditioning is coming now to every club. Yes. All that is expense. And it costs quite a bit to run a club now. It's very expensive. Holding is very expensive because you could lose any amount of stitches in a day depending on what field you're playing in. Yeah. Yeah. Hollies could get broke. But, like, the expectations are high now. And people look at him and say, well, I wonder if that been done right. Should your man be put in that position? So, right, there is people giving their time. But I think, you see, sometimes some people don't understand the full what's involved. But if you have it coming from somebody that does understand it, makes it harder to, for a person to stay involved if they sometimes get a bit of criticism like that. Right. Now, Chris, there's nothing wrong with criticism in his own way. But... It is, it is a serious thing. Right, but it. if it's coming from somebody who isn't really contributing to the thing, but just but has you'll that you'll always opinion, have that, Frank. Will you, <laughs> you will have always... <laughs> you, the best Peter Huller on the ditch is the person yeah. who will always... I'd have no patience with that, Rita. How, how do you have patience with that? Well, I've had, well I, always, <laughs> I have patience. Well, I've had patience to work with an all-min committee. I'll be fine. Oh, no. Oh, oh, low ball there. Low ball there. What about that, though? What about a, a woman in, in Ga? Um, um, you know, what, what about it? I found it very easy. Did you? I actually found it very easy to work with men. Yeah. Mind you, I'd say, I. more often than not, it's nearly easier to work with men than women. Is now, it? I might say that against myself, but that's my experience from working in the gaia. Right. Now, there is a lot of women great to work with. Mm. Walk the likes of Alison, Geraldine King, the juvenile secretary, the husband, mm. they're a treat to work with. Mm. Under, you must have an understanding of it. If you get involved in jail, you cannot have a personal agenda. You must be working for the organisation and not see where you can get in it yourself. Mm. Like, it was by default, I, well, I, was asked, I was asked to do secretary and I didn't want to do it. I said, mm. no way, mm. wouldn't do it. But they kept persuading me to do it and I did it. I enjoyed it immensely. Mm. I, and, you see, people getting involved these days, they don't want to listen to those who has gone before them. Yes. Like, I learned everything from those who has gone before me. They're still around, but they was involved with the club. Because they, I listen from their experience and knowledge, and you, you'll only learn that by listening to people. I suppose. But, I mean, when you came into to GAA, first of all, it was a very different organisation, I presume. It was all male. It was all male, totally. There was, I was the only female, but the first, I was the first female to ever get involved with the club. Yeah. And you were generally accepted? Oh, I was the, oh, but no problem. There were, no there problem. Were the light, right. There was a... People, they wanted a secretary and they said, you could do it. And I said, no, they said, you will be grand and you'll do it. Yes. And I stayed at it because I worked with them. Yes. Because I listened to what they'd say. And I had, I, I didn't know them. But any bit of advice I wanted and was I going the right direction, I always listened to them. Mm. Now you people come in, they probably don't want to listen to anyone. Mm. They say, that system is gone, that's password. We'll move on to a new. Right, you can move forward, but... You can't beat a bit of advice. Right, and and to take it in a positive fashion. Yes, I, I suppose. How how do you deal with that? Anne? I mean, if you if you have the the hurlers on the ditch or the footballers on the ditch and giving advice and stuff when they're really not playing a part in the thing. I mean, is that 
Is that frustrating? To yeah, say it is, is it? very frustrating, especially when you know you've gone, you've talked a true, talked about something, and thought about it, and planned it out. And yeah. it is very frustrating. It's very hard to deal with. Is you it? Know? Yeah. It's very, very hard to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes biting your tongue is the only thing you can do. I presume it is, but of course, when when the girls are out on the pitch, then I mean that's that's where it's what it's all about. That's isn't exactly isn't that's, what, that's it's what, what it's all about. about yeah. Well, it's lovely to see you both today, and we wish you the very, very best indeed, Anne and Brida. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks for very much. I just one more before I go no I want problem. to wish the under 15 hurlers are playing in the Shield in Clanmail on Sunday and the, the Skihina Senior Intermediate Team we just won the county last year and we're in the county quarter final on Sunday playing in Clanmail so I want to wish both teams the best of luck and I want to tell Johnny Luby that he had the game won last week to tell him he hasn't seen anything yet <laughs> and I want to hope all the senior players will stay back for the juveniles to watch him after their game on Sunday all irrespective right. of how go but tell Johnny Luby I will pass that on to him tomorrow I will be on tomorrow I'm he, quite sure he'll make a comment on it I'm sure I'm sure he will indeed <laughs> alright Frida and Anne thanks very much indeed we're live from Ballyborine today we'll take a break back Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, welcome back to Ballyporeen. Welcome back to Pat's Kitchen here be, behind uh, Russell's shop. And we're meeting so many people here today. It's absolutely brilliant. It's the first in our uh, villages that we're touring uh, right around the uh, Premier County over the coming weeks and uh, months. And uh, what about some music? And uh, glad to be joined now by uh, local artist, songwriter, performer Seamus Hennessy is with me. Seamus, how are you? Not too bad, friend. Yourself? It's good, it's good to see you today. Born and bred here, Seamus. Born and bred here. My whole family have been here. My whole history is here. Is actually, it indeed? Yeah. I'm living in a house now that was rebuilt in 95 and the previous house was the Hennessy house that was a tailor shop at the top of the was street it? and yeah I remember uh, when even when we were knocking down the house finding old tailor artifacts and the ironing horse and things like that were all in there you know such as there was there since 1890 I so you, your ancestors were tailors were they? yeah they, they oh were, yeah even yeah. my father my grandfather all my granduncles were all tailors around here in Mitchtown and stuff like that yeah isn't it incredible yeah, yeah. it's an incredible profession i think and it's, a pretty, yeah. it's it's dying away which is such a shame isn't it, it? is it is it's even you could almost say it's died away now yeah. since since the 80s i suppose all the the suits and stuff were being brought in tailor made yeah. or being made from factories like and that really slowed down the tailor and business then when my father was working in the co-op in Mitchtown, there was 20 people working in when i when i was a kid there were 20 people working in the room and by the time i was a teenager there was only himself and tommy courtney and tommy courtney passed away and he, 20 people tailoring they doing all sorts of dressmaking and tailoring and that, and that sort of thing yeah my God, and as you say, what a pity! It's it's largely died away. I know there's some specialist tailoring going on, but largely yeah, it's died away. Which yeah. which is uh, well, what about music um, locally, Seamus? I mean, was there a is there a tradition of music here? In there's the a, there's always plenty of music played here. Like they'd be, I suppose, like I come from a musical family. There there's eight of us in the family, and we all play to some extent, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and there's, uh, you'd always find other people, when you play music then, you find other people yeah, yeah, yeah. that play music as well. And I suppose one of our most famous people would be Jimmy Hayes, who, who really made it... Uh, Incredible in the, songwriter, in the music she, yeah. absolutely incredible songwriter. Yeah. Beautiful voice, like until you until you sit in a room and hear her singing, you yeah. can't even appreciate how good she is. Yes. You know, but I'm just delighted her, to see she's she's back doing some concerts. She is, yeah. Is I I was reading there she's playing in Kilkenny, Kilkenny shortly yeah. Uh, again. Yeah. yeah. So um, absolutely, and I I I was fortunate enough to tour a small bit with Jim and myself and a Did friend you? of mine, Dave right. Murphy. We we were her support act right. for a few gigs around Munster and it was a great experience. Right. And of course, I remember yeah. Jim's dad too as a yeah, musician. Jerry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you're, you're going to, to sing for us, I know, but you, songwriting very much part of what you do as well. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah, I, I, I just like, when I get the opportunity to sit down and uh, just start working on a song and try and, try and get onto paper, we'll say what I'm thinking or trying to create an image on on mm. paper, whether it is an emotion or an image, either way, just trying to get, I suppose I have a thousand half songs. Yes, I do. It's getting to the end of them is the yeah. difficulty. It is easy to write the first three lines of a song, but the last three, they're the ones, you know. You, you, when you get to that stage, you're kind of happy with the song, but it is easy in the process to decide this is not going to work. Of course, yeah. Up, you know? Now, people who don't write songs, they think it's all, you know, the muse that the idea comes to you and it's complete. But, of course, it's not. I mean, the no. idea of the song might come, yeah. but now the hard work starts exactly, when you have to yeah. fashion it into yeah. the... I suppose yeah. that's what I mean by the first three lines. The first three lines are the idea. Yeah. But you have to come up with, say, three verses, a chorus and a bridge to make the idea into a song. Of course, you know, yeah. And uh, that's often where I can get caught, but I love the challenge every time, you know. Yeah, it's a bit like a crossword puzzle in some ways, it I is, suppose, along is, the yeah, way, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, you're going to sing a, a song, but it's a special song. It's a, it's a local song, isn't it? It is a local song. Uh, you, you had the kids on earlier yeah. reciting the Ballyperean poem. That was written by Father Sheehy in the 18th century. And um, me and a friend of mine, we were putting together uh, an album... Uh, to raise money to to buy defibrillators for the parish there, that uh, was about twelve or thirteen years ago, I suppose now. Mm. And um, so uh, all the people in the village uh, that could sing or play or do anything contributed, and we actually had twenty acts on the CD, so cool. out of the parish, which was amazing. Yeah. You know, they really came out of the woodwork at that stage, like. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, so I was half writing a song about Ballyprean and discovered uh, that um, the song that I had. The words fitted rhythmically, kind of, to the Ballyprean song that they were using, or it fitted into the melody mm. I was creating. Mm. So, uh, to save me writing another two verses of the song, I used two verses from the Ballyprean song. So, uh, basically, I co-wrote this song with a man that died 250 years ago. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. 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 And tell me a bit about that. 250 years ago, a guy wrote. Who do you, do you know? Fa much yeah, his father Sheehy. So Fa he would have been the oh, father Sheehy. Yeah, yeah, so a very famous yeah. man here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, by all accounts, was he was he that wrote it anyway? That's the information that I that I've right. been given. I love a co-write with Father Sheehy. Yeah. I think that's that's brilliant. Seamus, in your own time, will you do the song for us? In your, I will, of course. In, yeah, in yeah. your own time, have a good a good drink of water first of all to lubricate yourself. Any death, anyway. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so. So it's about verse 3, Father Sheehy takes over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let your waters flow 
Cool waters flow down your hillside into our lives forevermore. And the mountains stare in the morning air. When you stand on top, you see another not so far away. And it has everything I ask for when I'm dreaming Everything I hope for in a song All the colors that were ever painted It's my Valley of There is a spot that I adore it Lies not far from Caltimore It nestles in the valley grand The beauty spot in Ireland They talk about the deep blue skies The scenes of beautiful sunrise in utter seen the country round Ballyporeen Ballyporeen The young and old still coming down despite the rain from Barnahound from distant counties and Skaheen to evening mass Everything I ask for when I'm dreaming Everything I hope for in a song All the colors that were ever painted All the colors that were ever painted It's my, my Well done. Cheers. It works really seamlessly, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it just... I was halfway through my song when I realised that, so it was, a, it was an easy one to throw in there. Isn't the, yeah. the great, yeah. And uh, t- tell me about you and handball as well, because you've, you've had a successful old run of it with handball over the years, haven't well, you? Well, as a club, definitely yeah. had a, a... Down through the years, the handball club is here since... Uh, I think the volley was built in 1908, but I could be corrected there. It was roughly around that time, mm. anyway. And it was built by hand by locals. Was it? The big 60 by 30 alley. Shovels and rocks is what they put it together with. And uh, they put a roof on it in the 70s. So it was an open alley. It was an open alley for 60 or 70 years. And uh, in the early 70s, they roofed it. And then they built uh, a 40 by 20 alley at the side of it, which is, uh, I suppose, it was handball that was coming back from America. Yes. And they preferred yeah. to play in a smaller court. And... Um, 
they built that and they roofed that and the club is going uh, going okay ever since then you know we've had a lot of success down through the years we've had a lot of success probably our our biggest uh, player would be Eddie Corbett and he won senior All-Irelands and uh, plays in America and all that sort of thing and he really he really brought the sport to the next level here in Ballyprene mind you we had some um, other people as well uh, older members of the club like for instance from my childhood uh, there was a man there called Dermot Wall and he was always down in the bodily and he was always encouraging people to play handball and, and he was always playing himself, you know, up till he was 70 years of age. He wow. was always in the bodily, like, you know, yeah. and he encouraged us all to play, like, and he, he, he kept the thing going. And, and then, I suppose, after Dermot moved on, Eddie Corbett would have been the man to bring on all the juvenile players at that stage. And during Eddie's tenure, really, um, he had massive success with the, with the young kids, with yeah. All-Irelands. We had one, uh, one young fellow, Jason English, who won a world title at underage level. And um, we've had a lot of young fellas won All-Irelands sure, sure. as well. So, uh, at and the it, it's still up and running. And it's still, it's the still club healthy. is still up yeah, and running yeah. now. And we've, uh, in, just before the pandemic there, we did a new development on a glass back wall in the small alley because the old, the old um, back wall, which was um, donated uh, in the 70s by Tom O'Brien, mm. um, that had that had come to yeah. its end we'd yeah. say it was a timber one so it, it obviously isn't going to last forever but but through a bit of funding from the county council and stuff like that we managed to put a brand new glass back wall in there now so uh we're getting back up and running again now we've had one or two racquetball tournaments uh going there and we're going to get a get more handball tournaments maybe during the winter it's kind of a winter sport anyway yes, bring I a suppose, lot of lads yeah. from the GAP well, yeah but it's, a, it's another option for for people to, to play sport in the area which and it's a big a area place. so it can be yeah. used for you know training and stuff like that as well so yeah. it's a big and, and musically what's up next for you James have you had plans what do, what um, do you I suppose I'm just I'm just playing now in pubs and hotels and stuff like that uh, I released an album there last year in the middle of the pandemic uh, never really got a chance to promote and 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 gig that yes because uh, yeah. when I play in the hotels is usually cover music and stuff like that you know yeah. uh, so playing your old your your own music is a completely different ball game altogether uh, you have to be really prepared there's only certain venues that you can do it and you have to travel a lot more mm. and all that is a lot more difficult I suppose yes. nowadays um, but I'm really trying to decide whether I'll try and promote an album I released a year ago or just write another one. And start to fresh uh, in this new kind of era, we'll yeah. say. You know. Well, we'll be following the career, Seamus. It was lovely to see you today, and thanks Thank very much indeed for for dropping in. And uh, when you do decide about the uh, future of the music, we love we'd love to have you back in the show. No Is that bother. Okay? I'll All send right. in the CD. Uh, well, you'll be <laughs> welcome anytime, Seamus. Thanks very much indeed. That's Seamus Hennessy. All right, Ali has the roving mic, as my old friend Dennis <laughs> used to call it. What, what, what's up, Ali? Well, just before we finish up with uh, with Seamus, what I I forgot to put in the notes for your friend is that Seamus is instrumental in the Music Makers festival which is this year was its third year this year would have been i suppose it was the third year if you don't count the two online years as well yeah. so really it was the fifth year yeah it's a fantastic yeah. way of kind of showcasing local musical talent Absolutely, then as well yeah, yeah. Yes. what are the future plans then for that um i suppose we have to decide on a date this year we're thinking of bringing it forward a little bit uh, and getting acts, what we what we try to do is we get one or two main acts that would be known nationally. Like this year, our, our headliner was Mickey Joe Hart, and it was a yeah. great night. No, it was really good. So we get Mickey Joe Hart, and then after that, we feed in all as many local acts as we can uh, in either the pubs or as support acts. Uh, 
and that's the way like obviously with a, with a festival like that you need a, one main one main act but you can do an awful lot with local acts yeah. in after that and, and it's been growing every year hasn't it yeah it yeah. has yeah and this year was our first year we we decided we'd try and do it outside so we moved out to the sensory garden outside the hall and we put up a marquee just in case it would rain and we got a shower saturday night just before nicky joe came on the stage so that was a good move yeah right so um but it worked out very well it looked really nice uh, it sounded really nice and it was very compact and, and an unusual setting yeah. and i think everybody really appreciated the effort of putting up the marquee and all that uh, for the gig so I think that could be something we'd, we'd definitely do again great like well well done on us we wish you every success with it yeah, thanks Seamus um, who I have then to finish up today Fran um, another local business because Pat isn't the only one running a business in the village uh, the McMahons I'm sure a lot of people will know a very very well known photography business uh, started by Pat but I have the, the girls here Hilda and Grace they're very shy and you wouldn't they're not at all so they wouldn't shy. say a word sure. Hilda, if I start with you I know dad is very much still in the frame and, and behind the scenes as well but how has business been going especially with COVID because not a lot of weddings it's been tough going for the past couple of years it has been really really different and challenging and uh, yes exceptionally busy at the moment because mm. we've had literally three years rolled into three months yeah so it's been crazy so we're literally back to back editing at the moment trying to get people's weddings out so yeah and they're still going full whack so it's brilliant have you seen a difference in how weddings how bride i would say brides because it's mostly brides organizing weddings and how they approach weddings now yeah they're more i suppose i like their approach actually they're they're more realistic more realizing that you can't have everything you can't put your arms around the world and you can't do this you can't do that but they are great in planning and making a decision what they want from the day and as was we'd be there grace and myself then to give them a hand and it was an advantage the fact that we're women as well yeah we understand what women want i'm glad somebody does <laughs> is it is it difficult dealing with brides though Hilda, really no because i reckon they're all like me okay <laughs> whoops and uh yeah i suppose maybe i'm a small bit ocd and i have a lot of going on and i understand them in a sense that i understand what they're thinking yeah so that probably helps so when I do meet a bride and I can see her small bit empty in the corner, I have a fair idea what's going on. Right. right. You know, so yeah. yeah. I met it a long time now, friend. You've <laughs> met me since I was a teenager. Indeed. Well, I was very small at that you time. Were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so was I. <laughs> and the business accord started by your dad. Is there a lot of yeah. pressure on you then to kind of keep it going and keep it evolving? Um, I suppose, yes, it's always a challenge. And my father's great to keep me mentally going too, I have to say. He'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, and I suppose we do like the challenge. And, and of course, your mum a very fine photographer too. My yeah. mother was an amazing yeah. photographer, yes. Yeah. I suppose we always say dad, but we always forget my mother was yeah. always the quiet one in the corner. She was the one who was a stylist. She was the one who knew what to do. Yeah. But I suppose they do love, dad loves to see us coming back with the weddings we've done. And he loves to make his little comment on them and I suppose that keeps us going and we do enjoy it we yeah. do enjoy it a lot and he's so good above still on it keeps him going I have to say yeah and your sister Grace is here then as well you're also yes. involved Grace yeah, yeah. <laughs> how long has it been running now how long has Beck Mahan's been um, running Oh God, good question. We always kind of say around when Charlotte was born wasn't it, it was about 30, 40 years ago kind of yeah. but like like I'd say once Hilda took over then it kind of got very okay this is it, serious <laughs> Um, and then I was roped into it and like I was only doing it part time for a while yeah. and then just love it. You get a buzz. Yeah. There's something about it. I think even couples that say to me, they're like, you're half mad like on the day. But you, 
you're just so involved in the day you're so involved with the couple you want the best for them yeah. and it's like you know you just you do your best for them as well like even at the weekend now a couple where you know somebody's forgot their shirt you're just trying to keep the calm and keep the cool and it's you know and you just help as much as you like so but would yeah. you secretly be panicking inside sometimes but not really <laughs> <laughs> and it, i mean your business is a great example of how a, a really good business can run and can thrive in a rural area because i mean you're sought all over the country aren't you yeah <laughs> don't be afraid to toot your own horn now um well yeah look i mean we're, we've been there for such a long time and it's yeah. nice that people yeah, yeah. reputation is definitely word there yeah and, and word of mouth and everything like that which is good now we are trying our best to kind of get more onto social media and stuff like that but we're still finding the word of mouth is actually winning over that still you know people if you do a good job people then see yeah go with, mm. go with the girls go meet is that a big pressure then the social media aspect of it um well it isn't for us at the moment i'm just finding there's a lot more people hanging on to it and i don't know how long that's going to last in in one way but for us, it's kind of nice that, you know, everybody's still, we're still recommended by word of mouth. Like you yeah. do, like like I was saying, you do a good job. Somebody's going, oh, no, it's really good. They get the album, they go, wow, look at the product. Do you know what I mean? And it takes a while then to go, why don't you just go with those? They're so nice. They're so lovely. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. yeah it's and way. like Seamus as well, you were involved in the Music Makers Festival yeah, as well. Fran, I, I, I don't know if you heard Grace before. She's the most phenomenal really, jazz singer. I know, I know full yeah. well all about her. She's amazing. Yes, yes. it's what kind of I do on the, yeah, my, my days off. <laughs> so yeah. the jazz weekend coming up now again, and it's great. It's just especially from from working at home it's completely different i get to be somebody else something completely different <laughs> you know what I mean? and i've had people actually come up to me at weddings going did i see you singing there one weekend and you're like yeah and they're like you're totally different you know but yeah. love it absolutely love it and it's great shames does so much for the community here with music as well it's brilliant you know there's always an opportunity for 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 music yeah. sure even did a lovely concert inside here with pats for the christmas which was fantastic like yeah. inside the shop here so yeah. And how's the music going for you? Still gigs coming up? Yeah, still yeah. a good few. Like we've a new song released there, Neo Skyline, and we're that's out at the moment. And we're just kind of still working on an album, kind of like what Seamus was saying. It just takes a bit of time to kind of get these things out. But hopefully now with the Jazz Weekend, yeah. that'll promote a lot more as well. Yeah. Anyone who's looking to contact McMahons, how can they do that? We might as well give you a plug while we're here. Thank you so much. You'll find us on Instagram under McMahon Studios or www.mcmahonstudios.com. Thanks, ladies. <laughs> Back to you, friend. I love the woohoo bit as well. Uh, lovely to see Hilda and Grace today. Lovely memories of working with you, you both and your, your, your parents as well. Thank you for that. Uh, that brings the show to an end for today. Thanks as ever to our fantastic team. That's Ali, Owen and Emma back at base and to Pat Russell for being a marvellous host and looking after us so well uh, today. Uh, Stephen's on the way with the Time Tone. We'll speak to you tomorrow with uh, Johnny Luby and our Friday panel and lots of other Tip Today fare as well. Uh, from Ballyboreen, look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie